What's good, baby? It's Damian Barling, one half of D-Lo and KC, and thank you so much for downloading the podcast here. We really appreciate it, and hopefully you're a subscriber of the podcast. That way you get every single episode, every single day, every single interview, every single clip, every single bit of King's News delivered right here to your mobile device. It doesn't matter if you're subscribing through Apple, Spotify, Google Play. It doesn't matter if you're subscribing through Stitcher or the Odyssey app. You'll get every single episode delivered right here to your mobile device. And if you're using one of the platforms that allow you to rate and review the show, please do, particularly on Apple Podcasts, as I know that's where most of you are listening from. If you could hit the five-star review, if you think we're worth it, it only takes a split second. And if you could leave a review, that would be great as well. The review's cool. Again, it only takes a couple of seconds to do that, but it literally takes just a split second to hit that five-star button, man. We really appreciate you for being here with us. Enjoy the show. That you're here with us on this Friday, February 3rd edition of D-Lo and KC. I'm Damian Borland. Acknowledge me! He is the creator of the King's Beat and our 1320 King's Insider, James Ham. Kenny will be back with us on Monday. Hammer, we're so happy that you're here with us. Plenty to talk about, as always. Uh, Kyrie Irving is the gift that keeps on giving uh, as he's requested a trade. For the first time from Brooklyn, requested to trade again. He the, he's he is one of the sports world's most unique characters, man. He's the jelly of the month. <laughs> he is the jelly of the month. Like he's the gift that keeps on giving all year long, Clark. Uh, yeah, just <laughs> eventually he's gonna go away um, because I don't think the league is ready for for this. But the, like they're. I think they're over it. They're over it. But I don't. But the problem is, man, this dude can still play. Well, I mean, it's not a problem, but like that's the flaw, I think, in the theory is like this dude can still play. Like he was voted an all star. He's still really, really good. Uh, there's a oh, lot yeah. that comes with that, uh, as Brooklyn found out, as Boston found out, as Cleveland found out. Like there's a lot that comes with it, but. Man, this, that dude can play. Yeah, I mean, if you're the NBA at this point, though, what do you – you're just shaking your head like, how did we give him an all-star spot? Like, really? Like, how, how did you go ahead and, and give him an all-star spot? I mean, he starts the season with a promoting anti-Semitic things, uh, and now here we are again in the same situation where he's demanding a trade and just, like, destroying a, a franchise for, like, the third time that he's done it. Um, it's just to me, it's an embarrassment to the league. And I, I don't know how you like if you're a team that's shopping for a, a star guard right now, like what would be the incentive? What like the possibility of him saying something and causing you to lose like tens of millions of dollars in in revenue from, you know, advertisers and and fans and everything like it. It's just sitting right there. Like, why would you take that gamble? 
to win a championship. <laughs> uh, hey, I, I, like, I like, guess. like, think about it. Like, in, in, you know, it's already in the chat right now. Just like you easily, you can trade Russell Westbrook for Kyrie Irving. Just switch teams. Like, there's no. It's not complicated. There's no like crazy stuff to it. Like you can just trade one to the other. And what does that do for the Los Angeles Lakers? It makes them interesting, but I mean, we're talking about a team that's so far down as it is right now. Like they've got a lot of work to do. Uh, you know, I don't know. But are they, but they're really not that far down. Like they're, they're, they're a game out of the playing picture. That was a huge win for them uh, last night. They were down like nine, maybe with about eight, nine minutes left in the in the in the fourth quarter. And then LeBron James went LeBron James uh, and took over. And Buddy went Buddy, and he got trapped in the corner and had to take the last shot. Actually. I don't know that it was a good look. It wasn't a bad shot that he took. Uh, it was kind of a, well, it wasn't the best shot. It was like a Larry Bird fading out of bounds, borderline over the backboard type shot. He almost got it to drop, but um, that was a big win for them. And, you know, they're, and we'll go over the rest of the schedule because, you know, outside of De'Aaron Fox getting. Uh, screwed by NBA coaches last night, a lot of things went right for the Sacramento Kings. Uh, which we'll dive into, but the, the the first thought because you're not blowing up your team to make the salaries match is the Los Angeles Lakers. You just switch Russell Westbrook for Kyrie, and you're off and running. Okay, so if you're Brooklyn, why do you do that? Because for me, because you ju- because of what you just said, you just like, ridded yourself of Kyrie. I guess you rid yourself of Kyrie, but you know what you could also do? You could just tell Kyrie to go home. And rid yourself that way, sure, and not you could. and not give him the the ability to force a trade and for you to take back something. And like, look, while they you can probably make the money work, it's still taking on like an additional ten million bucks or eight million bucks for uh, for Russell Westbrook. Like their contracts aren't aren't totally similar. So unless you're making the Lakers take a bunch of crappy contracts to go with it, what do the Lakers have to offer? like a 27, uh, 2027 uh, first-round pick? Mm-hmm. Like, what is it that you're getting from that trade? Well, see, that's a player that I think they'd be willing to do it for. I think they'd trade the 2027 first-round pick with Russell Westbrook for Kyrie because I think the Lakers believe they can sign Kyrie Irving. That's possible. But, I mean, if I'm if I'm Brooklyn, what is the incentive? Because that's, that's really not much of an incentive. I don't think there is. But who? But who's going to give you an incentive? That's that's the thing. I, th- that's what I mean. It's kind of like what you just said a minute ago. Who's going to take that risk? We know Rob Palenka don't give a damn. He'll do it, but who else will? No, I, I, I don't, don't think there's a, a bunch of teams lining up to for his services. I mean, like the player versus the human being is just like. And, and let's be honest, it's not like Kyrie Irving plays all the time. I mean, we're talking about a guy who historically misses 20 plus games a season mm-hmm. it's not like he's someone that you can rely on like his greatness it's, it's there sure but it, it's only part-time it's like anthony davis you know it's like sure anthony davis if he's right if he's 100 percent, he might be able to win you a championship in a 71 game bubble season where he got three months off to get ready for like 
like the bubble experience, but like, I just don't know that, that he's, you know, you're going to be in playoff contention or, or title contention all the time when you have players like this who, who don't play games. I mean, he has demolished that franchise. He has made that franchise like realistically that, that team has every opportunity to be really good. And he's just wasted so many years of Kevin Durant's career, just being himself. And that to me is like really crazy. I agree, but only to a certain degree. I think Sean Marks did far more uh, destroying of Kevin Durant's years than Kyrie Irving did because I thought that team was just fine until they decided they wanted to get greedy and go acquire James Harden, who has absolutely zero success uh, in the playoffs in his career. Uh, that is what I thought killed the team because you had a lot of pieces around Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving that I think you would be far further along in the process uh, than you would be if you would have without James Harden. I understand Harden, uh, Kevin Durant, uh, shoe size smaller, and 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 Brooklyn's going to the NBA Finals over the 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 Milwaukee Bucks instead. But I still. I, I still think that team is in a far better position if they hadn't tried to go acquire James, or if they hadn't gone and acquired James Harden a few seasons ago. Yeah, I'm, I mean that's possible, but like the fact is, if you had Kyrie just playing basketball and focused and and showing up eighty two games a year or seventy five games a year, that team is is probably already won a championship. You know, yeah, and the I, fact I that don't disagree. You, know, you, you basically you bought uh, a lemon. That's less what you got. I mean, you you tried to build a super team, and we like more often than not, we've seen super teams fail now. Like because there's only one, like what the one bit major super team that was able to pull it all off was was uh, Miami. But outside of that, like adding stars after stars, it doesn't usually work unless you got everyone bought in 100, percent and then the right type of players, the right type of stars that that believe in you know winning together like what we see with the golden state warriors every single one of those guys through their championship years they're so focused on winning like that's what they're there they're they show up every day to win championships and that's just not what Kyrie is he's not a guy who's going to show up every day um you're going to get him you know there's probably 50 games a year where he's a huge piece into why you're winning but those other 30 plus games and then the playoffs and everything else it's just a a coin flip with who you're going to get, what type of dude you're going to get and whether he's going to embarrass your franchise beyond embarrassment or cause havoc like he is today with a trade request. Um, it's just like, I, I'm not, I'm not playing in that pool. Like you can go ahead and do whatever you want to do, man. I, I'm, I'm not going to be part of what you're doing. Well, why show up every day when you can show up once in a while and get rewarded with all-star appearances? Uh, that's what we saw yesterday when DeMontis Sabonis was selected to his third All-Star appearance, and De'Aaron Fox was not. Uh, he was passed over for guys who we didn't have on. We had Paul George on the radar, though I didn't think they'd go the direction of Paul George. Jaron Jackson was ultimately the one uh, that stunned everybody, which is really unfair to Jaron Jackson because he's a really good ball player. He's a very, very good ball player, and I'm a huge fan of Jaron Jackson, but he is not an all-star. He has not had one of the 24 best seasons uh, to start this NBA season. He hasn't had one of the 24 best first halves of the season, but I did notice something and this actually didn't dawn on me till this morning. And I'm curious if you picked up on this. 
because we saw the Drew Holiday selection uh, out east and Jaron Jackson, Paul George. It felt like the coaches had a meeting and said, we've got to start rewarding defense. And (laughs) for a game where you play no defense, but go ahead. (laughs) Bingo. But it's still a reward. Because those they all selected the same like that that those those guys were selected and in, in, in those so the, the 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 Adam Silver thing is interesting because a lot of people hey maybe 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 Fox still has a chance to get in from from what I understand and I do I absolutely believe Adam deviated from this last year Adam looks to see who's next like who was the guy who just missed out he'll he'll go back to the votes from the coaches and see who's the guy who just missed out or maybe he'll look at the cumulative who's the guy who just missed out again occasionally I believe he does that gets deviated from and I think it got deviated from for the Mike Conley selection um but it's I don't think it's a surefire bet that De'Aaron gets in uh over you know to 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 what we who who we ultimately think Zion's going to be replaced I don't I don't think it's a foregone conclusion De'Aaron gets in at all no, I mean, realistically, if you look at the way that the season ended and you look at the cumulative between the media votes, the fan votes and the coaches, uh, the players vote, um, Fox is the next guard like the he's number six. The other five guards are in uh, the problem that you have is that Anthony Davis was number four on the uh, the forwards list and like Anthony Davis is is a MVP candidate when he's healthy. The problem is he can't stay healthy. Um, and his team is just bleeding out. I mean, like they, they seriously, that's a team that's just like hemorrhaging on a nightly basis is whether he's there or not, it doesn't matter. So like if you're Adam silver, I, I think you do have a decision to make there that, that won't be easy in it. But does Anthony Davis really, is he going to be like, upset that he didn't make it i mean your team's 12th in the western conference you're three games under 500 that team doesn't deserve to have two representation uh two representatives in the all-star game De'Aaron fox deserves to be in the all-star game we'll talk more about what's that i said we'll talk more about this uh we'll talk more about this we'll 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 talk king's pacers tonight uh by the way i i stumbled across this uh you know what the lakers record is with anthony davis it's 14 and 15 and that's after last night's win. We're just getting started. D'Lo and KC, James Ham sitting in for Kenny Caraway here on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320. D'Lo and KC continues streaming live on the Odyssey app. Make sure you download that Odyssey app on your smartphone or whatever your favorite device is. Uh, register, say ESPN 1320 is your favorite radio station. That way when you, you could get alerted when we go live here at 12 o'clock and you can get alerted when we go live uh, after hours. Uh, I want to talk about DeMontis Sabonis and, and, and his all-star selection and, and, and Tyrese and, and everything that we've seen uh, in the last year. But before I do, I want to give some flowers to my man, James Ham. Uh, we try to stress this leading into these happy hours. Uh, it's not a, like a sell job. Like these happy hours that James hosts, have just become some of the most spectacular things like that you could be a part of. James, you have a as a as a host, you have a tremendous ability to get people to open up and share stories. And to listen to Aileen Voisson who had 
who has just a such a lengthy career uh, in sports, tell stories about her relationship with David Stern, about covering the Dream Team and the international game, and 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 the, and the stories she told about you know Vlade in the international game, and uh, of course she shared her opinions on Demarcus and this current team and the current game and all of that stuff. But the story she has from her career, man, that was just sitting back with my headphones in my ear and the camera off on my phone. I couldn't have possibly enjoyed last night's happy hour anymore. Oh, thanks, man. Um, they are, I, I don't know how they've worked out to be this way, but I, to me, they're the funnest thing I do as well. Um, you know, like we, I, I podcast all the time. I'm, I'm on with you guys all the time. I write, you know, three to four times a week. Um, but the happy hours, like for whatever reason, they strike a nerve. Like the, the connection that we're able to create is really strange because like without being in the same room, it's really hard to make that, that sort of break down the walls. And like, that's something that for some many people forget that I mean, we had like 92 people in for a happy hour, which is, which is crazy that mm -hmm. for like a, it's a zoom call. Event, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. For like something that is like very limited and how many people can be there and all that. I mean, like 92 people show up, but it's almost like we're able to phase out all of the the little Brady Bunch or Partridge Family squares that you're surrounded by on Zoom and just kind of connect one on one and have conversations. And I thought Aileen was great. Uh, you know, Aileen was either beloved or hated here in Sacramento. It depends on who it was that you're talking to. Um, she was and that was her role as a columnist to uh, push buttons and. Uh, People don't know some of the things about her, but like she was the second beat writer, female beat writer in the history of the NBA. And she was the only beat writer through most of the 80s, female beat writer in the NBA. And it's just crazy. Like her entire career is wild from start to finish. And her stories were great. Her connection with David Stern was like incredible. Yeah. Um, you know, having, and, and people may not know this, but uh, you can, a lot of fans in Sacramento, you can thank Aileen voice on for, uh, the King staying part of the reason why the King stayed was that she was on David Stern every single day, every single day she would stay up. And she told us she would stay up until two o'clock in the morning because she knew that Stern woke up at five o'clock in the, in the morning on the East coast. Mm -hmm. And she would start in on him first thing in the morning. And she kept a connection here with the city uh to stern and uh yeah it, it was a great conversation i i can't wait for the next one i don't know who we'll have on next time but man she's an interesting lady she always has been but like getting in a one-on-one -on -one setting like that uh i thought it was pretty unique uh the premium content on the king's beat uh is well worth the investment as a king's fan uh but these happy hours and we'll continue to tell about uh tell you about them and push them they don't rec get recorded they don't get saved they don't get put anywhere. They don't get stored anywhere. They're very literally off the hour. Once the once the call ends, like it's over. If you were a part of it, you were lucky. If you missed it, uh, you missed it. And you asked, like you don't know how they've they've kind of turned into this. And 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 last night, to me, it, I I think I can answer that. It, it, it's you, you 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 kind of you sit as all, all the, the the analyst and the reporter uh, with with me and Kenny so so regularly that. A lot of people don't know you can host and it really boils down to the host dictating the, the way the conversation goes. Like we've said for two and a half years on D'Lo and Casey, 
we talk sports with our friends for four hours. Like that's what we do. That's why Trista's able to shed the betting stuff and just come in here and have fun. It's why Matt George is is able to put on a scarf and some glasses and have a wooden flower and do some poetry. It's because like we're just we're just kicking it, having fun. But that's that's the environment uh, that we've set, and you have set a similar environment. Uh, with the uh, with the happy hours and man, it's just you 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 deserve your flowers. That was that was just some really good stuff last night. Well, I appreciate you. I appreciate you being there for a lot of them too. It, it does help when you have a, other people asking questions here and there. Um, you know, Sean popped in for a little while. Brendan was there for a little while, but a lot of it is just like it's kind of just sitting there on on a couch almost like hanging out with somebody mm-hmm. and, and and watching other people just sit there and and like absorb it. And we're all drinking. I'll yeah. be honest. We're all like, I, I drank a lot of whiskey last night. I don't know how much, but I, I felt it when I went to stand up. Uh, <laughs> and that's good though. I mean, it's laid back. And yeah. I'll, I think a lot of people see me here or they've seen me on NBC for years and all that stuff. And um, I, I sometimes can come across as like stiff and like, you know, not laid back at all, but I do like to lay, but you know, kind of chill out and, and, and have a few glasses of whiskey and, and, and talk sports. And you're pretty relaxed so. with us. It, 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 so. it, it, it took a little yeah. while. It's, it, 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 you know, at first it was just, you know, James, the Kings, Kings, you know, reporter. And then we started doing it like really, really regularly. And I was trying to pinpoint this morning, the moment where like James just, just let his, let his hair down. And I remember a particular rant against Alex Rodriguez. That was, just hysterical and i think that's the moment like that was that's the moment we need to have james with us more that that was tremendous i can't even remember what sparked it but you went in on a rod and i just remember thinking when it was over god that was good stuff that was great stuff yeah i do have opinions on on him i like and i'm a sports fan i mean that's what it like i love baseball i love football i played fantasy football i think this was year 32 um, you know, I'm just a big sports fan in general. And so I like coming on and talking sports. I, I enjoy the radio, even like the way you guys do it is so different where we don't have so many commercial breaks. We have longer, uh, discussions and, you know, I, I like that. I like that. It's more like a podcast feel. And, and to me, podcasting is like the new long form journalism. Yeah. It's there, there's no way to get someone to read. 2000 words, let alone three or 4,000 words anymore, but they will listen for 45 minutes or an hour. And so I I think it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. It's, 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 it's great stuff. Another thing that I think is really cool, uh, is the fact that about one year ago, uh, the Sacramento Kings were eviscerated across the board for a trade they made with the Indiana Pacers acquiring DeMontis Sabonis. And there was all this talk about giving up the uh, the, the, the future of the franchise and giving up a, a quote, generational talent like Tyrese Halliburton and, and some people's words in their podcast and their long-form journalism, they said they traded him for nothing. Well, that nothing got named to his third All-Star team last night. That nothing has been the hub of the Sacramento Kings universe uh, this entire season. Uh, that nothing is a big reason that the Sacramento Kings are eight games above 500 right now. And I think it is just incredibly poetic that DeMontis Sabonis and Tyrese Halliburton were both named to the All-Star game yesterday. 
I also think Monty McNair deserves a lot of credit uh, for, I mean, simplest put, the balls to pull off this deal, to make that deal, to recognize we've got a, 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 a player here that, that teams will covet, but it's created a really crowded position on the on it's created a really crowded area on the basketball floor and we have the ability to space things out with De'Aaron Fox a little bit allow De'Aaron to thrive get a two-time all-star and send Tyrese somewhere else where he could wind up being really successful as well and it's worked out to perfection to everybody involved I don't give as much credit to the to the to the Indiana Pacers general manager because they were already shopping DeMontis Sabonis and he took no heat for this deal but Monty dealt with the firing squad and the podcast and the long-form journalism and the JJ Reddicks and the PTIs and the sports centers and the Bill Simmons he dealt with all of that and here we are about a year later both of those guys being named to the all-star team and Monty McNair uh, being in line for an executive of the year award yeah, and then add to that that they play each other tonight. I mean, yeah. it's spectacular. They both make yeah. the All-Star team, and then they go head-to-head. And so, to me, like, look, when the move was made, I understood it. Um, I was told literally, like, three days before that they were not going to trade. They were not going to break up the pairing of De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton. I mean, I'm talking at the highest levels. I was told that very specifically. And then the right deal came along and like, look, you can say whatever you want, but in the NBA, everything is about maximizing the the value of your players. Like if you can't find a way to make it fit together and maximize each one of your individual players, like we're seeing with a guy like Trey Lyles, they're maximizing Trey Lyles. They're, they're maximizing Kevin Herter. He's averaging three points more per game than he had, ever has any time in his career. They're maximizing even Harrison Barnes at this point, where you're making a guy who's turning 30 still look like he's 25. The way you do that is very specific. You go out and you find pieces that fit together. And unfortunately, De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton, they could be a lot of fun together. They would have never played defense together at all. It would have been bad defensively forever. And they both want the ball in their hands in a specific way. And it just didn't work. And it's unfortunate because they're fun. They're both good guys. They're both, you know, great people to cover. Halliburton specifically is like one of the most uh, well put together, like gifted speakers that you're going to find in the NBA. The only one that I have ever run across is even close is CJ McCollum. Um, like when Halliburton's done, he goes right into the booth. It doesn't matter where. I mean, he's going to be on ESPN. He's going to be on TNT. He's going to be somewhere because that's who he is. That's how he, he talks. It's how he carries himself. But this team right now would not be eight games over 500. They would not be the third seed in the Western Conference with Tyrese Halliburton instead of Demonis Sabonis. That's the facts. They would not. They weren't good last year with those two. It doesn't matter what you put around them. It was impossible to build the team around them. And it's just unfortunate. Well, and and, and the uh, the domino effect of not being able, like Kevin Herter and Malik Monk don't make sense either. Like your whole approach to the offseason changes if you're moving forward with De'Aaron and Tyrese. And... The fact that you were able to to get that front court player allowed you to add some more complementary pieces 
to De'Aaron Fox in the backcourt. Yeah, and, and I'm going to add this too. Like, to what they've done to Demonis Sabonis is such a disservice. I mean, to me, like the lack of of real understanding of basketball that we we're seeing on like a national scale when it came to this, it's just horrible. I mean, do do people not understand that like if Demonis Sabonis makes the All Star team next next year and the year after that and the year after that, then now we're talking about Demonis Sabonis, the Hall of Famer, like. It's not like they gave him up for some schlub. They gave him, I mean, one guy is a two-time All-Star, one guy now now a three-time All-Star. The other guy just made an All-Star team, so good for him. But there's no guarantee that he'll make the All-Star team again. You know, the Eastern Conference could shift up, and, and he could just be on the outside looking in. Uh, we don't know what will happen with Tyrese Halliburton. But when you get to the third All-Star at 26 years old, like, Sabonis has this opportunity here, especially if the Kings are good. If they're good for the next three to five years, he has an opportunity to be a Hall of Famer. And maybe Ty does too, but like Sabonis, I don't think had that opportunity in Indiana. And I don't think that in Sacramento, Tyrese Halliburton would have that opportunity either. There would have always been the fact that you have De'Aaron Fox, whose contract would probably be very difficult to move at that time. Um, and, And now you just have pieces that fit together. I admittedly had this very like strange moment following uh, the show yesterday where I uh, do what I normally do, go downstairs, feed Sprout, we grab the leash, and we go for a walk to the park, right? And I find myself walking like mad. Like I'm legit <laughs> angry. Like I'm angry over the De'Aaron Fox thing, and I'm like thinking about it, and I'm thinking about what this means you know, for, for, for De'Aaron, what this means for Sacramento, what the overall outlook on this is. And I'm literally just walking around angry. I'm texting Jill Edge, texting different people. Everyone is kind of frustrated. And then I just had this moment where it was like, wait. If you said at the beginning of the year the Sacramento Kings have an all-star, we'd be elated. And then, it, and then, and then, and then there, there was a a, a, a moment a, a couple of weeks ago, really after after De'Aaron got back from from taking a couple of games out because of the foot issue, where he's like, "Oh, he's he's back. He was he 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 was doing what he was doing at the very beginning of the season." Man, we might have two all stars, and it dawned on me, like, man, we've focused so much of our frustration on De'Aaron not getting in that I'm not sure that we're celebrating Demontis Sabonis. Uh, as much as we should be. He should absolutely be celebrated by us, by the fan base. He should be celebrated by the league uh, for what he's been able to do here uh, in Sacramento. And I felt really bad about that. I was, I'm was, i still really frustrated for De'Aaron. I know De'Aaron will say he doesn't care. It's about wins. And given what he's gone through in his career, to a certain degree, I believe him. But he deserved this acknowledgement. And that's that's unfair to him, but... Uh, shouldn't take away from from what DeMontis Sabonis, the, the celebration that DeMontis Sabonis deserves. Yeah, I think that's the worst part about it, right? Like even watching, like we were still, like we were in the chatty house still. We, we were still live streaming when they went up. Like there was a point where they flashed up the graphic with the, and they had four players up on the board and then five players and they didn't have Sabonis. And then all of a sudden they, Oh shoot, we forgot Sabonis and they threw him up there. Such blatant disrespect. Like you got one job, you know, they know beforehand. Yeah. Like those cards were printed. Trust me, the, the people behind the scenes, 
knew exactly who was going to be up there. The guys at the table may not have known. Yes. But everybody backstage knew because they had to have those video packages ready and those graphics ready. They already had the graphics package ready. So for them to act like they, you know, oh, shoot, we forgot to put Simonis up there. It's just blatant disrespect. And I feel bad for Simonis because we should be celebrating Simonis today. Like what he's accomplished, what he's meant to this franchise in a year is is stunning. Like he's the most transformative player this this franchise has added since Chris Webber. And by the end of the day, he might be the most transformative player they've ever brought in during the Sacramento era. And to hit for him to not be celebrated today because Fox was like, just to be honest, screwed over. Um, it, it's really, it, it sucks. Like I, I, you know, I wish they were in Sacramento so we could have yeah. these conversations with Domas, even if it's off the record and just, you know, walking over to him and saying, you know, how much we appreciate what like to cover him on a daily basis has been great. Um, he puts up with the media way too much. Um, we get him like more than we have gotten, like most players, most star level players here in Sacramento. Uh, he's always available, even if we have to wait forever and we have to wait forever. You know why we have to wait forever every night for Demonis Simonis? Because he has a broken thumb and he's got to go get treatment after the game to make sure that his thumb doesn't swell up and he can move it so he can come out and play the next game. And that's why we wait. And we understand that. And we're like, all right, that's the way it goes. Like, we're not going to sit here and, and cry about it. We're going to wait in the locker room for an hour for Domas because he's getting his treatment. We understand it. And like what he's meant to this franchise already, I just, again, throw it all out the window. The Kings, 16 years, they haven't made the playoffs. Right now, they're the third seed in the Western Conference. Like, we're 50-something games into the season. We're 50 games into the season. Yeah. Like, they're third. Like, even if they don't finish third, it doesn't matter for them to be, not only be in third, but be in third for, like, three straight weeks. Like, this is unheard of. And, yeah. like, that guy needs to be celebrated. Fox needs to be celebrated as well. But Sabonis needs to be celebrated for the accomplishment of, of making the All-Star team for the third time. Yeah, and uh, I think the further we get away from yesterday's announcement, the more uh, he'll be. We'll 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 look at it as a. It, at least we got Domas. We got one of our guys in there, and they're going to be forced to talk about him. And we've we've always believed uh, that the Sacramento Kings will be well represented in Utah. We know Keegan Murray is going to be a part of the. I don't know what they call it now. It used to be called the Rising Stars Challenge. I don't know what yeah. it is now, but. And I can't, I just absolutely can't imagine Kevin Herter not being a part of the three-point contest. Uh, the only person who I know was a part of the three-point contest is Dame Lillard, and that's because he said, he was, I'm going to do it. Um, so Buddy I think, Hield also, I think, acknowledged that he was he has accepted the invitation. Good stuff, as he should, uh, as he should. That'll, that'll, that'll be a lot of fun. Well, hopefully Kevin Herter got an invitation. Ho- hopefully he didn't get lost in the mail. Uh, along with uh, De'Aaron Fox's uh, all-star selection. Uh, but kudos to everybody involved in that trade uh, and just the incredible season uh, that DeMontis Sabonis has had. And you, man, you, you, you pinpoint this beautifully. It's, it's just great theater uh, that these two teams are playing their second matchup of the season on uh, the night after those all-star reserves were named. I absolutely wish the Kings could have been here uh, for uh, Domas and and uh, well, De'Aaron isn't available tonight. He's out for personal reasons. But for Domas to get that to get that ovation, but I know next Friday, one week from today, oh, he's going to get a reaction. 
uh, at the Golden One Center. And the only person who I think is going to get a louder reaction than DeMonte Sabonis is De'Aaron Fox. Because Domas is going to get that, hey, way to go. We're, we're proud of you. Thank you. We love you reaction. And De'Aaron is going to get that F them, you're our guy reaction. <laughs> I think that's going to be uh, extremely loud. James, I want to uh, talk more about uh, the Kings and the Pacers tonight. We'll look back on November 30th. Uh, and what that game looked like, and what this game might look like for Davion Mitchell, who's clearly going to have a big role. But this coming in from Shams. Mm. Los Angeles Lakers, Phoenix Suns, and (laughs) as always, the Dallas Mavericks have emerged as potential suitors for Kyrie Irving. Uh, Chris Haynes adds, Phoenix is viewed as one of the few teams capable of facilitating a deal with Brooklyn that could keep both teams in championship pursuit. Again, that's Chris Haynes. That's uh, Chris Haynes and Shams Karani, respectively. Interesting stuff. As you noted at the beginning of the show, the Lakers have the, less, the, the least amount to offer Brooklyn outside of. No one's cap is really affected. Everybody gets to move on from what ails them, and you can keep it moving. But what we forget is Brooklyn is, with KD back healthy, that's a legit championship contender. Uh, so if you can grab a few pieces that can help with that, help with that push, oh, there you have it. Yeah, if I'm... If Dallas, I'm, you uh, might just want to sit this one out. You've, you've got nothing here. Dallas has Yeah, nothing. I agree. I agree. If I'm Brooklyn, uh, the Suns are the team I'm going to because, like, what are they going to offer? Uh, you know, you're gonna you're talking about bridges. Like, I'm in. Yeah. Like right there. I mean, you if you have a a three, you've got Ben Simmons, Kevin Durant, and Bridges like as your, your defensive players, and then Claxton, who's played extremely well this season. Like, you have you're a legitimate team i mean the length and athleticism of that team would be crazy and then on top of that like you can ask for cam johnson you can ask for cameron Payne. like Mm. piece it together if that's what we're going to go with here like you might be able to really come out ahead in in that situation um i don't know what like are they going to do a sign and trade like it is a, a trade and extend um with Kyrie. that's always possible but um, you know, I think the Suns have a lot of issues behind the scenes still, like they're in the middle of transitioning power from one owner to the next. They've kind of been in limbo. Um, but at this point, like they have an owner, a new owner that wants to make a splash. And to me, that's great. Go ahead and make that splash because that has every potential to fall apart and and be, you know, not what you expected. Uh, and, and on top of that, you know, they've got the Jay Crowder situation. So maybe they throw Jay Crowder yeah. into that deal. Um, and, and you mix up and you make uh, Phoenix take on a couple of other contracts that you don't really love. I don't know. I feel like Phoenix is going to try to start the conversation with DeAndre Ayton. And I don't know where that goes with Brooklyn, but I feel like that's where they're going to start the conversation. Good we'll, luck with that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll continue to monitor the uh, Kyrie Irving situation and uh, any news uh, or rumors that may come about of that. Of course, we've got six days uh, to the NBA trade deadline, and we just – Got a little over three hours before the second matchup between the Kings and the Pacers. We'll talk about that. we do the one KC with James Ham return here on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320. D-Lo and KC. 
Odyssey continues. Streaming live on the Odyssey app. There's so many layers to this Kyrie thing. I'm looking at this uh, tweet from Tim McMahon, uh, Mavs GM Nico Harrison, who's a former Nike executive and coach. Jason Kidd have a long-standing relationship uh, with Kyrie Irving, and Dallas obviously desperately needs a co-star to go along with Luka Doncic. <laughs> for, just for my own entertainment, I need this deal to happen. First of all, Dallas is involved in – Dallas desperately wants to be involved in every single big trade that has ever been committed in the National Basketball Association, and they never are. Like, they're old for a lifetime – when it comes to trading for or signing uh, a big player. But the Nico Harrison thing is uh, an interesting caveat. I just don't know what they have to offer, especially uh, as it compares to uh, Phoenix. Uh, the Lakers, they don't. They Unless Brooklyn, for some reason, is valuing draft picks, which I very seriously doubt that they are, uh, given their current position uh, in the Eastern Conference as the four seed, uh, just a couple of games back from from Philadelphia and and, and Milwaukee as well. Yeah, this should be interesting. I mean, Dallas is always they always want to be mentioned in these things, but they haven't done a good job of creating like you know building players. Mm-hmm. That that's what you have to look at. Phoenix Phoenix has done an excellent job of of creating players that are marketable that other teams want, you know, again, your Mikel Bridges, your Cam Johnsons, like they've, they've got players even like to a lesser extent, like DeAndre Aiden, um, you know, that's going to be like, they, they do have like a mill that they're putting up players through where Dallas, they've been searching for pieces to fit next to, uh, to Luca for a couple of years. And in the meantime, they haven't really done a good job of creating something. It's hard to get caught in the, in the middle where you have one star who really can, can win a bunch of games for you, but you're not able to add another star or another like really marketable piece through the draft because you're always in the twenties. And so it, it does make it really tough to, to keep creating something. Um, and you know, they've, they've kind of like played around on, on the fringe, like with, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith or, you know, all, all of the pieces that they bring in are around that, like, you know, $10, $12 million player level. They don't have, like, another big-time player. Even if you look at Sacramento's roster, you take Luka off and you take De'Aaron Fox and Demonis Sabonis off, I like the the Kings roster better than I like, you know, Dallas's roster. And maybe I'm crazy, but that's just my opinion. I like, when they do find something that works, like, uh, like Brunson, they they botch it they lose them and so uh, yeah i'm not super impressed with the package they could put together for for Kyrie. i mean there's no way the kings would have failed to surround luka doncic with talent the way that dallas has what what a what a waste <laughs> just a waste kings would have never um kings and pacers tonight again we'll continue to follow everything uh on Kyrie's latest bombshell. The funny thing is it's the second time trade talks have happened with Kyrie Irving, and we kept talking about this at the beginning of the season. Kyrie never asked for a trade at the start of the season. Kevin Durant did, or, you know, during the offseason. Kevin Durant asked for a trade, and then Kyrie was just lumped into stuff after that. Kyrie, to the best of our knowledge, never asked for a trade. He's just like, I'm I'm here. Kevin doesn't want to be here. I don't know. I'm here. Uh, And then it was, what, two weeks ago, maybe not even that long ago, that Kyrie was at the podium talking about, yeah, I think we can figure this out and get this worked out like I 
want to be in Brooklyn long term and I want to get this contract worked out and this is where I want to be. And they said, great. Here's a four-year deal, Kyrie. There's a couple of provisions in there for you, but here's a four-year deal. And all reports are Kyrie said, no. And here we are with uh, Kyrie's latest trade request. No provisions for him. Yeah, I think it's interesting. We were talking before, you know, early uh, before we went live um, that they're like provisions are becoming something that we're seeing around the league. Right. So the the Zion Williamson deal like it, it can change like by tens of millions of dollars uh, by him not making weight. And it's some some sort of crazy clause like um, he's got he's got his weight and his uh, body fat have to be less than 295 combined and that's you know in order for him to get all of his money and then we also talked about kevin porter jr kevin porter jr is like he's got this new extension that starts it's like 18 18 and 18 and it's really like 15 with a bunch of incentives that make it 18 but every year is is partially guaranteed like i've never seen an nba contract like his before no, his is wild. I mean, like I was reading some of the stuff and it, it's just totally crazy, but it, it does make sense. I mean, he's a guy who's had some issues. And so is, yeah, is 24, uh, 25 is non-guaranteed. It's 1 million guaranteed on 7, 1, 23. He gets a $3 million guarantee on opening night, 6 million if he's, uh, he makes it to pass the 2024 trade deadline. Um, his 2025 contract is non-guaranteed. Uh, his 2026 is a club option mm-hmm. and it's non-guaranteed. You don't see an $18 million player with a non-guaranteed contract after the first year. I mean, it's just wild, but yeah. that's kind of where Kyrie's put himself. Like if he wants to be that guy, then, you know, I, I guess there are going to be owners out there who just get, Hey, we're okay. We'll deal with whatever. Um, uh, but, but Why? Like, I mean, there's a lot of talented players out there and Kyrie's one of them, but you know, there's another, there's another report out there that throws the heat in the mix, uh, with the Lakers, Mavericks and Suns. That's something I just can't envision Kyrie Irving and Pat Riley. I just can't, I can't make that work in my head. Maybe Pat wants that next ring. Maybe Spa wants that next ring bad enough. I just, I can't compute that. That's interesting because they, they also have some players that, I mean, it could work. You, yeah, yeah. It could work. You got a bunch of pieces. I'm not sure that, that anyone is like really keen on taking Duncan Robinson's contract or, <laughs> or even Kyle Lowry. Like there's, there's some questionable things that they've done over the last couple of years that have, which is why they're not at the top of the Eastern conference right now. Um, but it does make sense because like you get to Miami and, and you've got to be part of the heat culture yep. and they will like pound that into you. You have to be part of the heat culture. You have to buy in. Um, I'm not sure that he's the right player to buy into that culture. No, I'm, 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 I'm with you hundred percent. You're listening to D and Casey on KIFM West Sacramento, 98.5 FM KRX QHD two Sacramento ESPN 1320 driven by Lasher's Elk Grove Dodge always live on the free Odyssey app. Download that on your smartphone today and save ESPN 1320 as your favorite radio station. You can watch the show on twitch.tv slash ESPN 1320. You can watch it on Twitter. You can watch it on Facebook Live, youtube.com slash ESPN 1320 as well. If you're watching on YouTube, we hope that you'll hit the thumbs up. Hit the subscribe buttons as well. Continue to help the video version uh, of this show and this channel 
uh, grow some more. And shame on me for not mentioning, it's Friday. The usual crew is here. Uh, James is with me all day. Uh, Trista Crick coming up at the top of the 2 o'clock hour. Uh, Kyle Matson probably at some point will join us when Trista Crick's still talking. Uh, so we've got all that coming up uh, in the 2 o'clock hour uh, as we normally do. Uh, we've also got Kings basketball coming up today uh, at 4 o'clock. The Kings and the Pacers, the second and final matchup of the year. Uh, De'Aaron Fox is out due to personal reasons. That is all we know. A lot of people are connecting the dots on their own. I don't think there's anything wrong with doing that. But for now, we'll just say that De'Aaron Fox is out due to personal reasons until we hear otherwise. James, this could be a big night for Davion Mitchell. And one of the first things when we started the live stream and got going and got talking uh, that the Chatty House was talking about was, oh, they got they got their all-star over there in Indiana, but we got off night. And, and Davion Mitchell has an opportunity to step up with De'Aaron Fox out of the lineup and do some damage defensively, but maybe more specifically, and I think Kings fans would absolutely love to see this, he's obviously going to get extended minutes tonight. That's where he usually does some pretty good damage offensively. Yeah, he needs to find himself, and this is one of those opportunities. You know, in the NBA, you don't often get opportunities like this where – you go from playing, you know, eight to 10 minutes one night to, you know, potentially 30 something tonight. And uh, it's a good matchup for, for Davion. He's a physical player. Uh, he'll absolutely love going one-on-one against uh, Tyrese Halliburton. If that's the way it works out, of course, Ty is, is questionable still for tonight um, with a myriad of illness ailments. He's, he's pretty beat up uh, coming back from injury and he played last night. Um, but uh, when it comes to, like Davion, like, you know, again, if he could like build on something right here, that's one of the, the things that I've noticed throughout his career. He doesn't do a good job of stacking like successes, right? So um, we remember De'Aaron Fox went down in a game earlier in the in the season and Davion stepped in and played 19, uh, played, played a ton of minutes and scored 19 points, right? Then the next game, De'Aaron misses and, you know, Davion, he he couldn't do anything. He didn't score. I mean, he just wasn't impactful at all. And so I would like to see him like figure it out because again, what I've seen throughout his career is one night he decides he's going to be like a big time assist man and he'll get six or seven assists. The next night he'll try to be a big scorer and he, he can score, but he won't get any assists. And like he, he can't really do manage how to like balance everything in one game, except for the little stretch where he was handed the keys to the car and been given major minutes so um yeah man when it when the coach points your way you got to go in play hard and figure it out and and make an impact and and maybe get yourself right uh Davion the first time that these two teams played at the Golden One Center on November 30th I think he took more of the approach of wanting to be a scorer he played 20 minutes that night was three of six from the field had eight points uh, to go along with just two assists of course the Kings won that game uh, in a very uh, uh, ruckus atmosphere uh, at the Golden One Center, 137 uh, to 114. Seven players uh, in a Kings uniform were in double digits that night, including all five starters, along with Malik Monk and Terrence Davis. It's one of the more yeah. memorable, ni- memorable nights of the season, I think. They were yeah, coming off fun. a three-game losing streak, and everybody uh, knew what that game was and they were they were ready for it and, and 
<laughs> Buddy got the treatment and Tyrese got the love and it was a it was a ball game for a while and then the Kings decided yeah we're 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 winning this one on our home floor. Yeah, I think you're going to find that Buddy Heald and uh Tyrese Halliburton both like will want to stick it to the Kings for the rest of their career. And so you're going to have them like coming at you no matter what. Now, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I, I don't know cuz I like Buddy Heald under pressure has never been it's not usually a good thing. Um, you know, that I've watched plenty of times where Buddy Hield under pressure didn't quite work out for the Sacramento Kings. Uh, but when it comes to Ty, like this, it's always going to mean something to him. It's always going to mean a lot to him. And uh, whether he can harness that and, and make it, you know, a positive is, is going to be up to him. I'm not sure that he, he can every single time. And it's kind of what we saw last time. He wasn't great against the Kings last time they played. And I think having Davion go one-on-one against him, they're close. They're buddies when they're here in Sacramento, you know, and, and I really do think that uh, it, it should be a fun like battle between the two. The Pacers did look really good last night uh, against the Lakers. Uh, they were in control of that game. I, I was actually rooting for the Pacers last night. Uh, have them take out a Western Conference team along the way. Uh, but they weren't able to close out. Tyrese was really good. Tyrese started strong. You could tell Tyrese was itching to play basketball last night. Like, he came out hot. He And I'm not talking about just scoring. I'm talking, I think he finished with 26 and 12, if I remember correctly, 26 points, 12 assists. But he came out hot. He, I think he had maybe maybe 17 in the first half. Um but it was just something they couldn't close. And when LeBron came back in with, you know, eight or nine minutes left, that's where the game kind of shifted. And LeBron took over. And then Anthony Davis had a big block on Tyrese uh, late in the game. And they put the clamps down on Buddy Heald on the final possession and kind of forced him to the baseline to where he just kind of had to throw something up. And the Lakers were able to walk away with the win. So we kind of go back to some things we were talking about earlier in the week, James, is these wounded teams, these wounded animals, and how desperate they may be. Indiana is far from out of it, but what direction do they choose to go? And when do they decide to, when do they decide their direction? Um, because last night, they played well enough to win that game last night. Uh, they, just, they couldn't just close it out. Of course, there is the caveat of it. Now that's the first night of a back-to-back. Now you got Tyrese coming right back and just getting into two straight games. Indiana's got three games in in, in, in four nights. So how they manage this thing uh, over the next couple of days will be pretty interesting to me. Yeah, I think it'll be very interesting. Um, you know, if you look at the game that they played last night, well, I mean, just like, look, Indiana's lost four straight and they've lost 15 out of 16. Like they are due. They're really searching for a win. And this was a, a legitimate playoff team before Halliburton got hurt. And they've found, you know, playing without Halliburton nearly impossible. And, I mean, it makes sense. He's he's the center of their universe as far as a player. He's the guy that's setting everybody up. I, I'm really impressed with the numbers he put up last night. But also, like, there's some other, like, subplots in this game, like Benedict Matherin uh, versus Keegan Murray. And they, they won't match up against each other all that much. But, you know, Matherin's coming off a, a subpar game where he only – uh, he only played 20 minutes, scored five points. And, you know, he's a guy who's in the uh, rookie of the year, like conversation. Um, and it's like, who's going to be second? Is it going to be Matherin or is it going to be Keegan? Um, and it's hilarious and, that that's the conversation. Like there's it? a fight for second place because we all know who's winning the award. But there's a, OK, now, now the question is, who's going to finish second? 
Like, you don't yeah. get anything. It's not like you get a small trophy for finishing second. Like, you literally <laughs> get nothing. So it's a, it's a fascinating uh, media fan-created question. I totally agree. But I'll also tell you, like, just going back to some of the other rookie of the years, like, there is a tremendous amount of value for a player who is on a very good team, who's playing 30 minutes a game plus on a very good team and productive member of what they're doing versus a guy who's on a bad team, who who's just putting up stats. And so, like, we want to say that it's over and that Bancaro is clearly going to win the rookie of the year, but... I'm going to leave a small door open here. If if Keegan can get up to like 14, 14 and a half, maybe 15 points by the end of the season, which is a tall t- task, uh, but if he's still shooting 41, 42% from three, uh, you know, he's up over five rebounds a game and he, he's a productive member on a team that's going to the playoffs and, you know, a, a three, four, five seed, uh, I think he will get more consideration than people are, are thinking especially when you look at some of the raw numbers that Paolo's putting up as far as uh, his three-point shooting percentage is way down. Um, his overall field goal percentage is way down. Like, Keegan is is like a lot more efficient player than, than Paolo is. And those things can be considered when you're looking at, like, uh, rookie of the year uh, as far as, like, MVP balloting and stuff like that. All, the numbers matter sometimes and not just the volume of points or the volume of rebounds, but how you're doing it. And so I, I'm not going to write this one off and say that Keegan's already lost it. Uh, he'll have an opportunity here. I'll give a ton of credit to Draymond Green, who I think it was at a, I think it was at a press conference. Uh, he wasn't referring to Keegan Murray. He was referring to the young guys, not even necessarily rookies, just like the crop of young players that the Golden State Warriors have on their team. And he was talking about how, you know, it's 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 a bit unfair to judge them the same way that you judge other players in the league because you are drafted that high. You're normally drafted on a team like the Detroit Pistons where you've got the opportunity. You're on a sorry basketball team where you've got the opportunity to go in there and you've got a year two years to really kind of figure things out, get your feet under you, make mistakes, be given leeway to make mistakes. It's a very different it's very different when you're on a team that is expected to win and needs you to produce. And while the Sacramento Kings may not have been externally expected to win, internally they very much were. And they desperately needed to. And Keegan Murray desperately needed to be a part of that. Uh, so it's kind of a and I and I thought that was such a, a a great point by Draymond Green because we look at those young guys and we we speak about the disappointment of them or 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 you were hoping this guy would be this or this guy would be that or constantly putting them in trade conversations like well the measurement of those guys you can't measure them the same way you measure like a Jalen Green or a Paolo Bancaro or those guys who have the opportunity on the Houston Rockets or the Detroit Pistons or the Orlando Magic to really figure out the league uh, in a handful of years. Keegan has to produce, and when he doesn't, his coach is going to tell him about it, <laughs> which which we've seen uh, publicly a couple of times. I don't even know if we talked about that. I, I think we did the the, the on-court coaching moment uh, that we had. We, we had been familiar with those moments with Terrence Davis in the past. We regularly see Mike Brown do it. We've seen him do it with Keegan Murray before, but this was one of those times where Mike was in the middle of the court in a position that he's talking Keegan Murray through with all of these cameras rolling and all of that. Like he's, he has to be coached. He has to be called out and he has to produce. And that's not the case with, with, with other rookies drafted that high. 
Yeah, I mean, first of all, hat tip to uh, to Birdie, Mike Bird, who runs the telecast, who who's getting those shots into the telecast for you, because that's not something that that's a decision that they're making to stick a little bit longer commercial breaks and to make sure that they're showing you something that you're not going to see very often. Mike Brown is is one of the rare coaches that you're you'll see that actually like takes moments on the court as a head coach to actually coach a player up in the middle of a game. I mean, that's is very rare. Even like I remember, uh, is it Brett Brown? Um, when Nerlens Noel was sitting out his his rookie season um, in pregame, I found it really odd and intriguing actually that Brett Brown was out on the court as a head coach working with Nerlens Noel on building his jump shot. And to me, it was amazing to watch a, an actual like head coach doing development stuff on the court. Um, and I, I think what we're seeing from Mike Brown is like he knows his connection with Keegan and he he wants to make sure that Keegan knows he's watching what's happening and he needs to hold him accountable and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, those are those are big time moments. And, you know, Keegan's coming off a bad game where he shot over eight. He's going to want to go out there and do big things. And you're going up against, you know, a young player who had big expectations, it, which he'll probably see time against in uh, Aaron Neesmith. And that guy's had a rocky, rocky first two years in the league, but he seems to be finding himself, and he was really good against the Lakers last night. Um, so, you know, there are these matchups that you're going to run into. Even when you bring up the the Draymond stuff, like, look at how their, their young guys are crumbling. Like, you know, Moses Moody's not part of the rotation. He's he's being sent down to to uh, Santa Cruz half the time. And, and Jonathan Kaminga and, and James Wiseman, like it's so much pressure for a young player. And if you don't understand that, like the difference between what Jaden Ivey is able to do for Detroit or what Bancaro is able to do with no pressure of winning games um, versus what Keegan is going through where, man, like your mistakes matter. And like, it's a big deal when you make mistakes and uh, it's just a different level of pressure. And some players are, are built for it and others aren't. And uh, the King's philosophy is like, we know what we know about a player. That's what we're going to base our, our judgment on. We know what we're getting. We know what we we believe a player can do. And they're, they're kind of taking out this whole idea of what kind of ceiling you might have because your ceiling is going to be an opportunity more than it is, you know, anything else. I mean, how you deal with that opportunity is where you can go as a player. And that's probably a discussion, too, when you have players who are close in talent i don't think it's a conversation when there's a big talent discrepancy but players who are close in talent and you can weigh it's the thing we heard really non-stop about keegan murray through this process was no matter what you thought about Jaden ivy keegan murray's ready right now Jaden ivy will be very good Jaden ivy might be good year one but keegan keegan's ready right now like he he's he is the most nba ready player uh, out there and that's got a way into, I'm sure, teams like Golden State. Well, Golden State was sort of playing with house money. Uh, but it obviously was incredibly vital for Sacramento to have a player who didn't really need to figure things out uh, over the course of the next year but was comfortable in his game right now and can be coached, which, again, we've seen on numerous occasions. I think we need a coach cam. Tell Birdie we just might need a coach cam on one of the other NBC channels that just follows Mike and maybe, you know, Doug and Jay and those guys around uh, for, for the entirety of the game. We'll come back, Hammer. 
Uh, I mentioned earlier, outside of De'Aaron Fox getting snubbed out of an all-star appearance, it was a relatively good night uh, for the Sacramento Kings. And we'll spend some time trashing Dylan Brooks because why not? Uh, Trista Crick at the top of the hour, Kyle Matson after that, James Ham here all day. Steelo and KC on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320. Steelo and KC continues streaming live on the Odyssey app. I need to mention this really quick because I don't want to forget Hammer. This might not mean anything to you, uh, James, but 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 Jesse, go ahead and make note of this. Giannis Antetokounmpo won my belt back last night. So we have don't don't shake your head. I can see you shaking your head, Jesse. Knock it off. So we have these 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 belts that are they're, they're basically like they're belt they're championships. And for like two some odd years, Giannis Antetokounmpo had it. And about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I was like, Jason Tatum is having a run where I'm going to acknowledge him as the best right now. And I feel like Giannis has scored fifty every game since I did that. So I'm just putting the belt uh, back on Giannis and I'm moving that we strike Tatum's reign uh, from the record and just run with a, a straight Giannis. So this is all for Jesse. Who's in the background laughing at me and shaking his head. Uh, but, but Giannis Antetokounmpo is just the most ridiculous player in basketball right now. Scored 50 for the third time in the last month, last night. It's a bad man. Scored yeah, 20 and, in the fourth. Him and Luca, like the things that Luca does too, like you just, how in the world? I mean, one of them has like very few players around him. So, I mean, he has yeah. to do that every night. Uh, Giannis at least has some, you know, they, well, he's got another all-star now. Well, it, well, he does. And that all-star, and this isn't a shot. I just want to give you a, some context as to what, what went on yesterday. And shout out, we should all be, uh, celebrating Giannis because that 20 in the fourth quarter helped them beat the Los Angeles Clippers. And that's what we need here. He had 54 uh, last night, uh, 54 points, 19 rebounds. Uh, Drew Holiday, uh, on the day he was named an all-star, had 12. Uh, Chris Middleton had 16. And, and that, was, that was it. That's what, that's what they got. Like this, this was the Giannis Antetokounmpo show. He scored 54 of the Milwaukee Bucks, 106 points. They beat the Clippers 106 to 105. Yeah, Middleton has killed me in fantasy basketball. Got to be honest. Him and AD, they've killed me. Thanks for the keepers, guys. Uh, those those were the keepers I was given with Fred Van Vliet. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Giannis is incredible. The fact that they beat the Clippers, that's a, such a huge win for the Sacramento Kings. Like, you need the yep. all of these teams in the Pacific Division to actually – get get pushed down just a little bit more every single time um so yeah i mean like look when that guy is on when he's he turns into the greek freak uh i don't there's no one in the league that can stop him he's probably the most unstoppable player at this point in the nba and you put him right there with like lebron was the most unstoppable player for you know 18 years or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. uh, but Giannis has kind of taken that reign where when he decides to take over and, and be that guy, you know, he's stuffing the stat sheet and it's all over the place. Uh, if you have the opportunity, go out of your way to see the final possession and the defense the Bucks played on Kawhi Leonard. 
just incredible. Again, Bucks win 106-105, but you talk about the hallmark of a great defensive team. They just hounded Kawhi all night, who finished with 17 points on 26 shots. They Oof. made his life miserable. Uh, the all-star, Paul, Paul George, uh, scored 16 on 16. <sighs> and the Clippers lose. That's all right. I'll take the Clippers' loss. That's, that's all that matters. Again, as we said, aside from uh, the NBA coaches collectively uh, screwing De'Aaron Fox out of an all-star position, a lot went right for Sacramento. Indiana couldn't hold on to a lead against the Los Angeles Lakers, but that was about it. Uh, the game most people were watching uh, was Cleveland and Memphis, and it really was a shame to see the Memphis Grizzlies uh, get their ass kicked. I actually had that game on. Uh, as I was listening to Happy Hour and I was doing some things in the kitchen, and I just happened to look up as uh, uh, Dylan Brooks goes tumbling down to the floor, spots Donovan Mitchell for no reason, rolls, lifts his arm up, and whacks Donovan, uh, as Stephen Adams would say, right in the Kiwis, mate. And... Donovan reacted, threw the ball at him. A scuffle emerged. Brooks got taken out. Uh, groups got separated. Long, long review uh, resulted in Brooks uh, and Donovan Mitchell getting thrown out. And it was at that moment I confirmed what I felt like I already knew, Hammer, and that is I hate the Memphis Grizzlies. <laughs> you know what? Dylan Brooks is one of those players that you hate when he's on the opposition. And the second he's on your team, you embrace him. I'm it, having a hard time envisioning that. that he's so gritty. Sucks. Uh, he, he borderlines on dirty at all times. He's physical. Like uh, the Kings need a Dylan Brooks. The, the Kings could use Dylan Brooks. Like if you could work a deal where you found a couple of the the gritty players that they have the dylan brooks and the brandon clarks of the world like i'm all in like those guys the kings that might be the one thing this king's team is missing you know it's it's really pretty basketball a lot of the time especially on the offensive end but like they don't really have that like get down and get dirty uh player that you know outside of sabonis who just sits there and you know, gets whacked in the head every single game. But mm -hmm. like, I would, I would love to see uh, a couple of players like that added to this roster and see if they can, you know, like figure things out, you know, if they could, they could integrate them into the system and make them part of what they, they do. Uh, you know, the, the Memphis Grizzlies are built a very specific way and that's, it's Taylor Jenkins, right. And like, he has his team play hard for 48 minutes and, you rarely see a team that that plays all the way out every single game. You a six point lead, eight point lead with a minute left is not safe against Memphis. They're going to make you play every second, and that's something that I hope that you know an identity that I hope that the Kings can develop. And we have some other young teams in the league like OKC that kind of have that same type of identity, but that's really really that's a good thing to have. It's, it's something that, you know, I wish the Kings uh, had more of, you know, over the last few years. Darius Garland on a night that he missed out on the all-star game, uh, had 32 points and 11 assists really stepped up in a big way with Memphis hounding 
Donovan Mitchell the way that we, he, they, they were and then uh, ultimately uh, Mitchell getting thrown out. But after that ejection, things really opened up for uh, Cleveland and they were able to, to run away with the win. So uh, more positives for the Sacramento Kings. Oh, the, the, the Mavericks beat the Pelicans. That's kind of one of those win-win situations where you know either result goes your way. It does put the Pelicans at 10 losses, 10 losses in a row. They got the Lakers tomorrow. So they got the Lakers on Saturday, and then, of course, the second night of a back-to-back on Sunday. All eyes are going to be on LeBron James moving forward uh, as he's now 63 points away uh, from Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's all-time leading scorer record. Uh, He was asked uh, if he has 63 in him in in New Orleans, and he smiled and says, yeah, I I, I do. I don't know that I'm going to do it. Uh, but I absolutely do have 63 in me, and I think we're about to enter a stretch where five of the next six games, five of the next six Laker games are on national television, uh, so this moment can be seen by everybody, including this one uh, on Saturday. But that's an interesting note for the Sacramento Kings, who, of course, they play tonight, but the Pelicans will play uh, the Lakers on Saturday afternoon, and then they'll play the Sacramento Kings on Sunday, and as it stands right now, uh, the Pelicans have lost 10 in a row. That's always dangerous, though. Like, the laws of Absolutely. averages at some point. Absolutely. Yeah. And it doesn't look like they're going to have, uh, like, I was reading up on uh, Zion. They said, he, you know, he's got a hamstring issue. They just cleared him to start, um, like, running a, a little bit, but they're they're still not going to put a, a timeline on his recovery and how long until he'll be back. Um, like, that's a dangerous team. You know, they, they've got a bunch of scores and they've got a bunch of length, which is something that Sacramento Kings usually have struggles with um, as far as, you know, Brandon Ingram. And uh, I like Herbert Jones, like I CJ McCollum's great. Like they've got they've got some players there still. Um, you just wonder, like, are they are they at that point where they could like implode and they could mm. like fire a coach and, and stuff like that. Or are they there or are they not there yet? I know they started off like what? zero and 13 or one and 13 last season and then turn things around. Mm-hmm. But uh, man, this team has you, fallen on hard times and they're dangerous. You can't fire my man, Willie green. That's not know. fair. That's not fair. You can, you, you can, this is Ingram too. The thing about Ingram is he's obviously playing in pain. I think that's been stated as such. Like, everything he does moving forward is just going to be a pain management situation, which leads me to this. this that the, the, the Ingram portion of this could blow up at any minute. He could very well hit a situation. I guess it's probably similar to what, what Domas is dealing with. He could get to a point at any minute where he goes, I, I can't play through this. I, I can't. I can't play through this every single night the way that this feels. Uh, and we're, you know, we're we're still thirty plus playoffs, thirty plus you know games away from the end of the season. So that's a lot to you know to ask a player who carries the load uh, that Brandon Ingram does uh, to play through. Uh, but he had twenty six last night. He you know he 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 looks good. They're just you know you remember prior to De'Aaron's uh, absence you would catch moments where he's walking off the court and you were one of the first people who pointed this out to me. Like, is there something wrong? Like there's just something clearly. I feel like that's happening with Ingram a little bit where he doesn't show it, but if you catch the right moment, you can see he's in like a a certain level of discomfort. 
Yeah, watching De'Aaron Fox walk walk into the locker room before he missed those two games with the the foot, the sore feet, um, like that was brutal to watch. Like he, you know, and I've seen it forever. Like players come in and they've got their feet in ice buckets when they when you come into the the locker room. Yeah. It's not the case anymore after games because um, players don't typically come in uh to the locker room until they've already got their treatment somewhere else there's not a bunch of guys in the locker room in post game like there used to be uh, but now it's like you know we used to have to like roll a bucket out of the way like hey we're gonna are, are we gonna get De'Aaron and like he roll a bucket out of the way or demarcus demarcus always had mm-hmm. his feet in they had uh these little neoprene uh like socks that were like this big that just covered their toes so they weren't getting like frostbite while they're in in the bucket uh, but yeah, uh, like these guys, like what they, the damage they do to their bodies and what it takes to maintain these guys. I think, you know, the, the King's medical staff is new this year. Um, they, they had a major change over the summer. Uh, and like this team has been knock on wood. They've been really healthy. They've done a good job of getting through injuries when they do have them of, of, you know, making sure the players aren't doing more damage to themselves about here and there you'll see the load management like we saw malik monk get to a point where mike brown actually pulled the plug and said look he he doesn't look like himself so we're going to sit him um i think that the kings have done a really good job of maintaining their their health throughout the season so far yeah and i think you touched on this and i don't think this is an off the record conversation you touched on it on off the record though De'Aaron fox is exhibit a why you don't change sneaker brands during the season you figure that stuff out in the off season. You don't go. You can. I'm okay trying different shoes along the same lines. I wouldn't even try different shoes in the same brand. Like if you're wearing Kobe's, you try Kobe this Kobe or that Kobe or this Kobe. Or if you're wearing Kyrie's, you try this Kyrie or that Kyrie. But you don't try these Kobe's and then try those Kyrie's because the two shoes fit very very differently. And you absolutely don't try Under Armour and then go to New Balance. Which is what I think De'Aaron Fox was doing around that time. Yeah, De'Aaron Fox is a is a shoe free agent, and so he decided early ridiculous. in the season to to try out a couple of the shoes. Um, he went through Converse, he went through New Balance, and he re- I think he stuck with the Steffs uh, because mm-hmm. they're from from Under Armour because they uh, they have the built in ankle support um, or at least built in where you can wear ankle braces with them. They're, they're specifically built for that uh, because Steph had all of his ankle issues. And it's something that De'Aaron, you know, again, he's had a couple of major ankle issues in the past. Um, I think it did play a huge part in him missing a couple of games. And I don't really blame him for, like, trying something else out because, I mean, look, like, look, you could be within the same brand of, like, say, Nike and just wear a different style of shoe trying to figure out what works for you and what doesn't. And you could end up stressing a foot out without any question. Um, but yeah, I, I think it did play a part in what happened early in the season. And and then he's, he's stuck with the shoe and he just wears different versions of them, different colors, all kinds of different stuff. But um, I think he'll, he probably at, by the season's end, he won't be uh, a free agent any longer when it comes to shoes. I switched shoes. I switched training shoes like right before Christmas and it was just the worst idea ever like I wound up hurting my knee I was just in so much pain and I realized that the shoe that I was wearing I went from like an Air Max 270 to an Air Max 360 the 360 was super narrow and I just thought oh, I'll break it in it'll be fine just run break it in you'll be fine 
It was not fine, James. It was terrible. The shoes have been put in a closet. Yeah, I'm someone who gets shin splints, so if I switch to the wrong shoe at the wrong time, I'll get shin splints um, when I'm I'm doing my my walking workouts around the lake. This is why I just choose to stay boring and just train in the same things over and over and over and over and over again. And I'll be I'll be sticking with the two seventies uh, for a. That's long what time. Costa did. Like I, I've told this story. Like Costa Kufis had this one pair of shoe that he found probably like five years earlier, and he bought like. 10 or 15 pairs and he would wear them until they're falling apart like if you zoomed in on Costa Kufis' shoes you'd be like bro you're an NBA player what are you doing out there like they were some they were ugly and they were falling apart and they did not but he's like hey man this is what these fit they, what works. I, I got giant feet they feel good uh, I wear them until they die and then on the flip side you had a guy like DeMarcus Cousins who wore a new pair of shoes every single game like even if it was the same shoe, he had a new pair, and that's not. I, I never thought that was a good idea either. Which again, he had foot problems. Like, but it's what they send you. I know a lot of people who I, I I don't know that I know anyone who's switched shoes every game, but I know a lot of people who would switch shoes like every ten games uh, or twelve games. Uh, but they will have practiced in the new shoe either that morning or the day before, like the first time. They're not pulling tissue out of the shoe uh, in the locker room before the game. Like, they've been on their feet uh, at least one time prior. Do you know what? Do you know the origins of the Costa GIF, the famous Costa Kufus GIF? Do you, do you know the origins of that? No, the, the funny look that he gets? Yeah, just it's, it's one of the great GIFs on the planet. And I just realized I don't know the origins of this. I, I don't know what... Where is this? I mean, obviously, I know where it's from. Like, what is the story behind this? I have no idea. I don't know either. I, I will tell you, it was probably a DeMarcus Cousins situation. <laughs> um, and he's one of my favorite people to ever cover. Just such DeMarcus? a good dude. No. Oh. Costa. I know. Costa. Uh, DeMarcus, yeah. I mean, DeMarcus, clearly the most intriguing player to ever cover. But uh, as far as, like, one of the best dudes that you're ever going to run into is Costa just down to earth, just a super nice guy. Uh, he, his dad was a doctor. Um, I think his dad was a child oncologist. Uh, so dealt with like children cancers and then died of cancer when Costa was very young. And so he's a guy who's given back to his community. He's been incredible, uh, in Ohio and he's still playing. He's playing in, uh, in England right now and doing very, very well. I think he's play. He plays with Sam Decker on his team. Wow. Yeah. He's one but like easily one of my favorite players ever to ever cover. Just such a good dude. That's good stuff. I stumbled across something um I had referenced earlier this week. It was Keith Pompey, uh, our guy in Philly covers the 76ers, been on the show many mm-hmm. times. Uh he's talked about Sacramento's interest in Matisse Thybul. Uh and I believe he was the first one to report Golden State's interest. Uh, in Matisse Thybul as well. But I did catch a slight miscalculation on Keith Pompey's part when he was reporting on this, and he was talking about Matisse Thybul and the fit with Sacramento. Uh, and he said Thybul would be a strong addition to the starting lineup. And I looked at that, and I read that over and over and over again to make sure I wasn't losing any context here. It was on Hoops Hype, so I had to read the entire article. And I was like, yep, yeah, no, I think Keith is a little off on that. There isn't a place for Matisse Thybul 
uh, in the starting lineup. Though I lean a lot closer to the way you think versus the way that Kenny thinks, and I do think Matisse Thybul works on this roster, uh, and I think it is about what Mike Brown values uh, on his team and the reason that you know we often talk about where would Matisse Thybul's minutes come from. I, I, I don't think there's a player who can fill the role. I mean, we could talk about KZ Akpala and the thing that he did, things that he does right. Uh, I think Matisse Thybul is a little bit stronger in, in some of those categories than he is. But the reason it's not big Terrence Davis minutes or the reason it's, it's, it's not big, you know, insert player's name here is because they can't do exactly what Mike Brown wants them to do. Matisse Thybul might be that guy. Might be that guy. Yeah, I mean, I think Thibel could carve out a niche for himself. And and the other thing is Thibel is a restricted free agent at the end of the year um, at 25 years old at where Harrison Barnes is not. And so if you can transition to a major defensive piece, it, it's possible that Thibel could be a starter going forward. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's been a starter on a very, very good Philadelphia 76ers team for years. Uh, but, you know, if, if you could see a, a moment where, you know, if – Again, Harrison Barnes decides he doesn't want to be part of the team anymore and goes somewhere else this summer. Where Keegan Murray is a player who goes from 12 points or 13 points in his rookie season to 18 points in his second season, and pairing him with a guy like Thibel would make sense. Um, I also like Thibel's versatility, his ability to play the two and the three, uh, and to defend the one, the one, the two, and the three. Um, so I do like his versatility and, and what he brings to the table. Uh, it it's going to come down to price and like what is it that you have to extend and can he find his role in his niche? But like look at Gary Payton the what Gary Payton the third uh, what he did last year yeah Gary Payton the second for uh, for the Golden State Warriors mm-hmm. and you know he was able to hit a three here and there he's able to go in and hammer a ball down on occasion and and stretch the floor vertically. Um, and I think that that's sort of the role that you might see him play in Sacramento. And got to be honest with you, like if you're going to take minutes away from somebody, um, like especially if you're talking about like a playoff, if you get closer to playoff time and you start to shrink your rotation, like I, I think we'd see more Malik Monk at the backup point guard spot alongside a guy like Thibel. We'd see a lot of De'Aaron Fox with Thibel, um, you know, and, you know, I think we would see less minutes for maybe a guy like Trey Lyles, uh, but also maybe a guy like Davion where it's just tough to fit everybody on the court when you shrink down to a seven or eight man rotation in the playoffs. There's also a lot of skepticism as to whether he's actually available or not. And if these aren't just kind of like rumors, like it's not a, it is far, far from a far gone conclusion that Philadelphia is actually going to move Matisse Thibel. It's interesting. The math checks out. The contract, as you noted, it checks out. And another, uh, another thing in Keith's article that caught my attention, particularly in the comments below, is fans are completely split on him. They're, it's like it's, you either absolutely love what he brings to the basketball floor or you just think he's terrible and useless. It feels stunningly similar to the conversations we're beginning to have about Davion Mitchell. I feel like people are either really fr- – no one dislikes Davion Mitchell, but I think people are either frustrated with Davion Mitchell or they're really appreciative of what he does at the offensive end. It, it, it sounded like that's how Philly feels about Matisse Thybul. Philly fans feel about Matisse Thybul. 
Yeah, I think it's funny. Like, it's the same way that OKC fans feel about Darius Baisley. Some mm-hmm. people are like, oh, first round pick, first round pick. And it's like, uh, and other people are like, man, if you could get a second for him, that'd be great. Um, and then I'll also point out, like, look, Philly is in cap hell. They're going to be going forward, too. They've got a bunch of really expensive players. And it's not going to take much to offer something that they can't match next offseason for Thibel. And they understand that. You know, if you if you go like a, a two year, fifteen million dollar deal, I, I don't think they can match that for for a player that they may or may not have huge amounts of value in. And so you're probably gonna lose him for nothing. Same thing with Darius Baisley. You're probably gonna lose him for nothing if you're OKC. Josh Richardson, same thing in San Antonio. These are guys, at least the two young guys are restricted free agents and you can match any deal for them if you extend qualifying offers. But you know, a guy like Richardson or a guy like Plumley, we're talking about rentals. And that's where this team, this Kings team has gotten to where you're at least considering that. You know, it's like I've compared it to baseball. You get to a certain point in the season, and if you're in it, you look at your, your bullpen, you look and see if your fifth starter is good enough, you look to see if you need another bat in the lineup, and you go attack those things in at the trade deadline and, and bring those guys in. Uh, or you're not a good team and you sell off those pieces because, you know, you're not going to be able to keep them around the, the guys who are, you know, on expiring contracts. So, uh, yeah, I, I think the Kings could play again, play on the peripheral a little bit here and really improve this team. And it's surprising that Malice, uh, Matisse Thibel has gotten to a point where I think he's more of a, a player on the peripheral than uh, like a frontline starter guy. Uh, but it's kind of the way his career has gone. So. Uh, more trade rumors and a fired up Trista Crick. She's not happy about De'Aaron Fox not making the all-star team. She joins us when uh, D'Lo and James Ham return here on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320. D'Lo and KC continues streaming live on the Odyssey app. Live on the Odyssey app. Great way to listen to the show. You could also watch the show on twitch.tv slash ESPN1320, youtube.com slash ESPN1320. Uh, Trista Crick said to join us here at the top of the hour. Kyle Matson uh, immediately following that. I haven't got the opportunity to hang out with Kyle for a couple of weeks, so that'll be fun. Uh, Hammer, it was an interesting Woj tweet uh, during a conversation we were having earlier about rival teams. This is from Adrian Wojnowski. Among rival teams, there's far more interest in inquiring on Kevin Durant's reaction to Kyrie Irving's trade request and how that may impact KD's future with the Nets. So what it reads like is Kyrie requested a trade and everyone said, hey, how's Kevin feel about this? Because, you know, if he wants out, we we could put something together for you here. Yeah, that's a call that you have to make, right? Yeah. Like, like if I'm uh, like the other teams, like we could definitely see Phoenix get back into that race. And and I think that that's something like the Kings were had conversations like during the off season, uh, at least we've heard it afterwards that um, like if Kevin Durant had fallen through in Phoenix, uh, that Phoenix was going to work with Sacramento on some deal for uh, Harrison Barnes. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then when it came time that the deal finally fell through, it took so long that the Kings are like, yeah, we're, we're set now. We're going to go into the season with the team that we have, and we're not going to deal, uh, we're not going to deal Harrison. So, um, like, I, I think that these things all liven up again, not the, 
not on the uh, Harrison Barnes front, because I, I don't think the Kings are going to shop Harrison Barnes at all here at the deadline. Um, they're worried too much about culture and chemistry, and and he's played really well, but also like what he means inside that locker room, what he means to this team. Um, and I think they're just going to roll the dice and hope that they've done enough that maybe he'd want to stick around or maybe they can find a player that makes more sense than him um, between now and then, you know. But, uh, yeah, uh, it, it's going to get wild. This is, you know, this is what the trade deadline always does. It's quiet, 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 and then all of a sudden, like, chaos. Yeah, the only difference, at least as it pertains to Sacramento, is this time the team is good. So, like, that's a... <laughs> That's a first where you've got a team in the third spot at 28 in, or excuse me, 29 and 21. And, you know, we're worried about normal. We're, we're regularly worried about chemistry. We're rarely worried about messing up how good the chemistry is. And so that's a whole new, that's a whole new wrinkle to these Harrison Barnes conversations. That's a whole new wrinkle to trade conversations in general, because we see guys, celebrating those defensive player of the chain or defensive player of the game uh, chain presentations in the locker room. Uh, we see every single member of the Sacramento Kings, including the Mias Keita and the guys in street clothes, uh, celebrating and fully engaged in the game. That wasn't always the case uh, in recent years. Uh, you'd see guys on the bench checked out. You see guys in street clothes uh, checked out everyone on the King's sideline on the King's bench is fully engaged into what's going on. So that makes even trades that we on the outside perceive to be small. It might mean a little bit more to the locker room than it does to, to us. Yeah. And, and I'll even tell you this, like I know how much uh, like De'Aaron Fox thinks how highly he thinks of, uh, of Harrison Barnes. And I, I wouldn't put it past Fox to have conversations within the walls there about, you know, what what he believes that Harrison means to the team and what uh, the the team's reaction was when they traded Iman Shumpert a few years ago and just sort of how that season spun out out of control when you you gave up a guy who everyone in the locker room relied on for something. And so, again, like, I don't know that Fox has had those conversations, but I wouldn't put it past him to at least if they ask him, like, what would your preference be here? Should like, would you say go ahead and trade Harrison or not? The answer would be like, no, don't trade Harrison. Like, that's not what we want to do here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's 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 new territory um, prior to. Kyrie's latest trade deadline grenade uh, the OG and Anobi rumors picked up quite a bit last night um, then we started seeing things this morning like Westbrook to the Jazz has uh, got, gotten back into the conversation and, and that was one we heard about that's another one we heard about months ago and it's starting to make me feel like I don't feel like anything is actually happening I think we're just rehashing old stuff because so far, everything we've really heard about the trade deadline has been stuff that we've already heard, uh, whether it's Westbrook and the Jazz or, you know, the John Collins stuff that just lingers over every trade deadline and every offseason for eternity. And I just think that's ultimately going to be his destiny is he is the trade deadline guy. Um, and now you got the OG Ananobi stuff uh, popping back up. And given where Toronto is i feel like that 
might be becoming a little bit more likely than I originally thought. Because I didn't understand. I was like, "What? Well, you can play through this. Like, th- this team's too talented. They're, they're, they're trickling further and further back from even playing conversations. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's shocking that uh, that Pascal Siakam didn't make the all-star team up there mm. uh, just because of how good a season he's had. Um, but the fact is they aren't winning. And I think we're starting to see, like even the Nick Nurse interview from earlier in the week when they talked about OG being out for the rest of the, the road trip. And he's like, hmm, okay, well, that's weird. You know, we're going to be out here for a while. So, uh, you know, how do we know he's going to be out through the road trip? I, I just thought it was like the way that he addressed it had a lot of fans going, oh, yeah, I don't think OG's coming back. Um, There's a disconnect somewhere. Like, there, that, yeah. I, 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 and I'm sorry to be repetitive because I know we talked about this when the two teams, when, when they played Sacramento. This team's too talented to be where they are right now. There's talent on the Toronto Raptors. There's a disconnect somewhere. I don't know if it's Nick Nurse. I don't know if it's the makeup of the talent, which is obviously very important to 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 a team's success. But there's there's something somewhere within this organization that's not connecting, and it is not the talent. That group is talented. Yeah, but you know when I watch that team, like I I understand. It's kind of like when you walk into the season as the Sacramento Kings the last two years, and you got four or five centers on the roster. You know, like if you're going to walk into a season with like sort of like seven repetitive players that all play the same basic position, you're going to have problems like they're long, they're athletic. They gave the Kings fits, but do they give everyone fits? Do other teams have, you know, mechanisms in place to deal with the the length and the athleticism of that team, especially since, you know, if you can beat them to the hoop all the time, if you can run a lot of different actions against them there's a way to get through and i mean clearly they're they're a team that has lost a lot more than they've won so um i don't know i I don't know what the disconnect is again i i told you before like i covered that team during the finals and i i was always super impressed with nick nurse but that was when he was young uh as far as like early in his coaching career there um he had just taken over from Dwayne uh casey Wright the year before um and, and so like they were a good team that just caught like a wild streak and and raced through the playoffs they had the big three-pointer from Kawhi uh that was that over philly yeah uh they got them game yeah, seven got them to the finals and uh you know they're that team like they're rolling but now something just feels off and it, there clearly is a like a, a disconnect between what they need and what they have right they clearly they need more shooting they need more three-point shooting they need like specific things and what they're doing is they're trying to make players into something that they're not and and that's really tough to find consistency when you're asking players that haven't you know throughout their careers been three-point shooters and they now have to be three-point shooters because you don't have any three-point shooters yeah and the answer for them probably isn't out there it's certainly not out there in the next six days um which is unfortunate. Um, again, I think that team is really good. I, I, I think they're well coached. I don't know what the disconnect is. Maybe OG, like, I, I don't know. I don't know what you're getting back for him that's 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 going to help you. Uh, but clearly, maybe they need to take a page out of Monty McNair's book. Monty McNair was very good at going out and getting shooters. Uh, maybe that's exactly what Toronto needs to do. You're listening to D'Lo and KC on KIFM West Sacramento, 98.5 FM, KRX, QHD2 Sacramento, 
ESPN 1320, driven by Lasher's Elk Grove Dodge. She's already got a smile on her face. Wow. Oh, oh, what, 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 what is happening? What is the, is this the Blair Trist, the, the, the Blair Crick project? Like what, what is going on? Well, I'm in New York right now. And um, so I'm in this uh, hotel that I'm in the little like library area where there was food. And uh, my hotel that I'm actually staying at is a couple of blocks down the street, but I had just finished eating. And so there's like this little back area that I can charge my phone and it's not going to interrupt anyone. But I realized I'm like right up against the lamp. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, this is looks really I mean, you guys make fun of me from my living room and how dark the background is. I mean, it's a whole new level. It's oh, a yeah. whole new level. It's, it's, liter- it's literally just your face. That's now we can see your hands. So the, like, your, no, it's it's also I got a black sweater on. It's so. just it's all it's just all darkness. That's that's as is long it, as you're safe. Do we? No, work? it's perfect. We. I mean, this just adds to the. It's it's just adds to the fun of talking to you. I feel like we're at one of uh, Trista's speed dating tables that she's had to stop at as on, on sort of you know going around the room. Like we've got like two minutes, and then she's got to move to the next table. If only, if only I was that lucky to be on speed dates. <laughs> My date is with Zara. I'm looking for some wool trousers after this. <laughs> Excellent. That so I I assume uh, WFAN. That's that's why you're in New York. No, I had a dentist appointment today. Oh, the old New York um, dentist. So, that's right. Yep. So I had to get some new Invisalign put in, and then. Um, I don't know if you guys can tell, but I got some new little, eye, little, new little eyelashes. Uh, All right. And um, so then, yeah, they, my dentist appointment's only on Friday morning. So I have to come up Thursday and then leave Saturday. So I'm going to go and see some friends. I actually am getting dinner with Jake Fisher tonight. Okay. Oh. I'm going to try to get some get some tea on this Kyrie Irving news. No, well, we'll 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 get to Kyrie here uh, in just a heartbeat. And I'm sure you'll share the tea with us. Uh, when you get the opportunity, but you were as fired up as all of us were last night uh, to see De'Aaron Fox miss out on on the All-Star game. And you're connected around the league, so it's up to you, TK. Make it make sense. I was a little worried that I um, might be complicit or an accessory to a crime if a riot actually took place because I said we riot at dawn. And then uh, I think King's player also said, let's riot. Yeah, it was tremendous that too. And I was like, um, I, not, let's not really riot. Because <laughs> if my tweet's the first one, then it's a January 6th situation. I'm not trying to get oh into boy. all that. Oh, boy. Well, you had <laughs> backers. Clearly, you're in New York, so you can write at the at the uh, NBA offices. We understand what's happening here. I'm going to are... glue myself like that girl at the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves <laughs> playing game. I'm just going to stick it to the window. Tristis, <laughs> Tristis. <laughs> NBA reporter has glued herself to Adam Silver's door. In a deer and fox jersey. In, in a fox jersey. <laughs> there yeah. it is. I, I, I speculated that, that coaches were trying to make some grand point by selecting a bunch of defensive guys like Paul George and Jaron Jackson and Drew Holiday and doing it at the expense of a guy like De'Aaron Fox. 
are you guys the type of people who think about the all-star game as an accolade and, a, and a, an accomplishment or are you guys of the mind that the all-star game is primarily an event for fans and to entertain fans hammer mm. i think it's both i think it's the first because i i think players I mean, their contracts are based off of All-Star, like whether they make the Hall of Fame. Uh, you have to accumulate some of these accolades. Um, and to me, like the players, I they do think a lot of it. Like I, I've talked to Sabonis about uh, the potential for Fox to be there and what it would mean. And he was just like, he wanted him to be there to get the experience of it, like how amazing it is. And Fox had been there for like rookie, uh, rookie sophomore game stuff. But to be part of the big game is just different and it has a different feel and vibe. And you're thought of differently as a player when you have that, that all-star. It's not like major league baseball all-star where every team gets a, an all-star and then, you know, or the, the NFL, where didn't the Ravens quarterback who threw four touchdowns make the Pro Bowl? Snoop Huntley, uh, yep, Snoop Huntley. Yeah, he he made the Pro Bowl, and, and so did uh, Derek Carr. Uh, you know, who had that great line yesterday. But uh, yeah, I, I kind of look at it that way. Like in the NBA, it's a huge accomplishment that if you don't stack those accomplishments, you don't have an opportunity to to be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I think I'm of that mindset too. But when I think about it, like a fan event as well. I say to myself, and I tweeted this, like, does anyone really want to watch whatever Jaron Jackson's jump shot is out there? Like, do we want to see his defense? Do we want, when you talk about, like, getting defensive guys, why do we want defensive guys in the All-Star game? Like, we really don't. I want to no. see De'Aaron Fox use his impressive dribbling skills to successfully fake out his opponent. Like, that's what I want to see. You know what I mean? Uh, I want to see him in the mid-range. I want to see his floater. I want to see his speed and his athleticism. I could really care less about Jaron Jackson Jr., and I am a fan of the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah. Oh, we're going to revisit that. But I, th I think it goes to the first thing you said, though. Like, is it is it is an ac is it an accolade or is it a, a a showcase for the fans? I think coaches may have looked at it as an accolade. And, of course, there, there's components of both, as James mentioned, because there's incentives and contracts, so that's important. But the accolade part of it, that, that's, that's, it's like, all right, we've got shooters, and, and, and Kyrie doesn't play a lick of defense, and he's starting, so we're going to put Drew Holiday in. And, we're damn it, we're going to take control of our league again, and we're going to make all-stars out of defensive players. So we'll put this guy who's played 30-something games into it uh, and averages 15 points per game rather than uh, De'Aaron Fox or, I mean, hell, even Devin, Devin How Booker or anyone games, else. Do you think that the solution is also to put – you have to play a minimum – a certain minimum amount of games in order to be eligible? Well, that's that's the case with uh, postseason awards or, or, or not maybe not postseason awards, uh, like league yeah, leaders like MVPs, and blocks yeah. and, like, points. Like, you have to play a certain amount of games. And I think James has said earlier – Jaron Jackson leads the league in blocks, but he's not actually eligible to lead the league in blocks. No. Yeah, he's not. He hasn't played enough games. I was even so, telling uh, Damian too, Trista, that um, I, I was talking about this with my son, and my son said, "Hey, well, do you know about the whole block thing with Jaron Jackson?" And I'm like, "No. What do you mean?" He goes, "Oh, look at his block numbers at home versus on the road. He has 77 blocks in 18 games at home." and 37 blocks in 17 games at home. 
I mean, on the road. So they're like around the league. It's known that their their scorekeepers are giving him blocks for things that aren't blocks, and they're padding his stats. And it, it comes down to like, what exactly are we doing here? Like, it should be the best of the best. And if you're going to reward, uh. Jaron Jackson for being on the the Western Conference number two overall team, then forget that Aaron Gordon's a better player. He should yeah. have made it on a better team as the Denver Nuggets. So I get you don't want two representatives from the same team rewarding, you know, getting rewarded. Uh, but if you're going to do it with one, then like again, Jaron Jackson just didn't make any. Not on anyone's board as far as what was he number 12 in in forwards in the western conference when it came to aggregate score that just didn't make any sense yeah and i think the thing that also is frustrating is just how they formulate the teams because you you know somebody said this in my mentions and i think this is true in terms of like jaron jackson obviously playing a different position than than fox and so you've already got your guard slots already set and so there's a, an additional slot that Jaron Jackson for a forward, you know, position that he could get in. So they said, oh, well, would you, if you had to choose then, would you take out Jaw uh, or SGA or Dame if you were going to put in Fox? And I'm like, well, I challenge this premise completely because maybe there's just more, maybe there's just more guards that are all-stars this year that are playing at an all-star caliber. Well, so I would add this too. Like, it's very possible that they loaded up on forwards because they know that Zion isn't going to play. And so when they replace Zion with somebody else, it doesn't have to be a forward. Right. Because they've already loaded up on so many forwards and it would leave the possibility to add a player like Fox uh, in the next round. They better use him as the replacement. Otherwise, like, we we are riding. We, we will. You... We're not going to take it. Oh, wow. No. Someone Going said, us. someone, which is just a massive curveball from Trista. Someone said you look like the Death Row uh, magazine vibe cover, and I can't unsee it now. Like, I absolutely. That a trem- that's a tremendous compliment. I just can't unsee it. I uh, have that on my wall in my, my house that I grew up in. Oh, that, that's, that, awesome. that's iconic. It is. Just, I, yeah. James has it. Uh, can someone it, can someone make this on Photoshop? Can they add me in and oh, like can you put it on Twitter? Can we just see what it would look like? Say less. Oh, they put LeBron's head on Willem Dafoe the other day for me from the <laughs> platoon poster. So yes, they can, Trista. I, I guarantee they're already working on it. It'll 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 be in your mentions by the time the call's over. Um, so you're in New York. How about the gift that keeps on giving? You mentioned it earlier. Kyrie wants out of Brooklyn, and from what we read from Adrian Wojnarowski a few minutes ago is that teams are calling asking about Kevin Durant. Like, <laughs> hey, how far are you going to take this thing over the course of the next week? Yeah, and if I'm Brooklyn, like, what is your what is your real incentive to do what he wants? What is it? Like, I don't think you have any, Mm-mm. you know? You, you know he wants to stay there. You know he wants to be there. The entire reason for the trade request is salary and him getting a contract extension that he is not being offered and them wanting to see what they have in the postseason with him before they do any of that, right? Because he's a gigantic headache when he's not one of the best players on the court, which he's been awesome this year. He's been really, really good when he's not uh, suspended. And so um, that's one component. And so if you say, well, I'm sorry, we're just not going to trade you by the deadline. Like, you're just going to have to figure it out. And if 
if you need to get paid whatever is your max through the bird rights, then you're going to have to work with us with the sign trade. And that's just what it is. You need us, we need yeah. you, et cetera. So why, why feel rushed to do that when teams are only going to take advantage of you, uh, given the desperation in him being on an expiring? Yeah, is this, I mean, this is one of the few players that I can remember where he's going to be worth a certain amount as a player and he's worth a totally different amount as a human being. I mean, does that make sense? Like, yes. I, I don't think that he's like, he's making 36 million this year, which again, he should be a 40 something million dollar player, but he's not. And I have this feeling that like, he's not going to get that big contract that you would no. expect unless it's from Brook Brooklyn who, you know, has a, a ton of money uh, and a huge market. But I mean, even like if you go to the Lakers, you're not getting the money. Well, I guess you could, if they're able to complete a, a trade because then they would have as Larry Bird rights, but right. just as like an asset going around, like, you're not going to be able to get like dollar for dollar for what he should be like worth as, as, as a player. And on top of that, you've got Rui Hachimura there. Who's also going to want to deal in the off season, which is going to take up quite a bit of your cap space. And so at this point, the math ain't mathin' unless you're, sending Russell Westbrook to the Brooklyn Nets, which... Which you're absolutely doing. You're 100% doing. Yeah, it, or you're doing a three-team trade and sending Russ to, like, Chicago or something and trying to figure... I don't know that Kevin Durant... If Kevin Durant ends up playing with Russell Westbrook again, which I don't think he wants... I mean, what, do you, what, do we, what are we doing here, really? I don't know. I never know what we're doing when it involves Kyrie Irving, to be honest with you. I just, I, LeBron's out here tweeting eye emojis and crowns. Like, I, I don't, I don't know what's happening with, with, with your king. Um, we looked at Phoenix having a really intriguing potential offer. Um, I feel like we mentioned another team, James. Oh, Miami. Miami potentially having something, but it felt like Phoenix, uh, worked the best, but there's that, and, and you, you noted this a minute ago, there's that weird, why would Phoenix do this unless they knew that Kyrie was staying long-term? Because you'd, ha you'd probably have to move Mikel Bridges. You'd have to move someone you value to get Kyrie back, and that's what the weird thing hanging over all of this is, is you talk about the incentive to do what he wants. No team is going to make a deal. No team like Phoenix, I should say. I feel like the Lakers will do whatever just because they're the Lakers. I don't think Phoenix or Miami makes any sort of deal unless they have assurances that they can have him uh, on their team for at least another couple of years. Which means then, okay, Kyrie, we're going to offer you a two-year deal. And right. if we do this trade, you're going to accept the two-year deal, yep. which means you're going to have to sign this now, like secretly, and then we're going to submit it when it's uh, the time for us to submit it. Like It's going to have to all be locked up where there's no funny business. Because if I was worried about funny business with any player in the NBA, them changing their minds, them going back on their words, them deciding they need to step away for whatever reason, that would be Kyrie Irving, right? So if you're a team and you're in the risk management business, and listen, Phoenix has had their own sh fair share of controversies as well, right? You don't want to be having another issue or a potential blowback controversy that you really did not need to have. Like it would be an unmitigated disaster. Yeah, it's so avoidable. Like yeah. you just, yeah. I mean, could hit? Could it work out? And he makes your team great, sure. 
but it could also not work out and you could be like stuck in a gigantic nightmare of a situation with him, um, both financially and the PR stuff, which you talked about. I, I, there are certain teams that can do it. And then there, I, I think Phoenix is one team that you might look at and go like, you can't because they're the team that's actually going to have to give up true value. Mm-hmm. Like if you look at the Lakers, like regardless of what my friend Damien here thinks of Russell Westbrook, um, like in NBA standards, it's not value. Like you're not getting value for him. And where, uh, you know, Mikhail Bridges, if you're going to get Bridges, or you're going to get Cam Johnson, you're going to get a stack of players. Those are valuable pieces, long-term contracts, young players that can help you today and, you know, kind of further what you're trying to do. Uh, maybe both teams gets, get help uh, in this situation where, again, like Dallas doesn't have something to offer like that. And, and even the Lakers, they don't have something to offer like that. If you're Dallas and you're Brooklyn, do you accept like Dorian Finney-Smith and Tim Hardaway and like Jaden Hardy or something for Kyrie? And like, do you do that deal? Does those does that deal work? It, I, I don't know how the math checks out, but that's probably not like it's probably not a horrible option for Brooklyn in the sense of. Like Kyrie's obviously very good, but the reason you're a championship contender or potential championship contender is because of Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant's one of the best basketball players on earth. And if you can surround him, like the, it, it simply boils down to what complements KD. And if they can determine that those guys do, I'm all for it. I personally would love to see Kyrie and Luka Doncic. Let Dang. me see that. I, I want to watch that implode. I will watch every Dallas Mavericks game on League Pass to make sure I am tuned in live when that inevitably goes bad. Someone tried to get King the Kings in the mix. Said, would the Kings be interested in Kyrie Irving? And I was I, like, I don't, what? I no. don't believe that that happened. What? No. What? Are you serious? Is is there a team that makes less sense than them? I believe our friends at the Kings Herald wrote an article, and the article said, "Well, no." And that was the end of the article. What are we doing? Like, what are we doing, we're, guys? We're, what is we're, this? We're, we will step in as a fan base and just say hard pass, fam. We're good. Also, what has not been mentioned in all of this, and I think, and I hadn't thought about it until just today, is we're in the period of time right now where normally, in normal years past like two three years ago pre-pandemic at this point all attention and focus is on the super bowl right and then what you've had is a change obviously with the 18 week season but also the trade deadline moving backwards usually the trade deadline happens around all-star game i remember when boogie cousins was traded in new orleans right after the all-star game i love this city yeah, he was, was awesome. traded during. Oh, yeah, know, it was during. Yeah, yeah it yeah. was during. I had it confirmed during the actual All-Star game. Like, he's That's gone. insane. That's insane. So now the war between the NFL and the NBA is just fully on, right? NBA encroaching uh, on the All-Star game, and or uh, NFL encroaching on the NBA All-Star game, NFL encroaching on the NBA playoffs with the draft, and then the NBA clapping back and saying, that's fine. We'll just have Kyrie Irving request a trade <laughs> and uh, Pro Bowl. How about that? We're going to ruin your Pro Bowl, your crappy Pro Bowl. And all next week, <laughs> all next week, the week where every, all of the excitement is supposed to be on Jalen Hurts and this big Patrick Mahomes matchup, and everybody's just talking about NFL, 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 and it's like, no, it's trade deadline week. 
trade deadline week. Is Kevin Durant going to be traded? Because that's what I care about. It's very funny because next week there's going to be a big storyline depending on who you are. There's going to be a, a, a big storyline in the Super Bowl that two brothers are, are playing against each other and two brothers are playing against each other. And it yeah. just kind of depends on what side of that fence you fall on. Um, but this week off, like, I hate, like, I haven't, I honestly haven't thought about uh, Kansas City and Philadelphia one time this week. That's like exactly I, how the NBA wants it. It's like, yeah, it's whatever. Like, all I'm thinking about at this point, well, one, I, we were trying to get through last night, and, and, and we thought we, we had a bottle of champagne ready to go for our two All-Stars. Uh, and now it's 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 next Thursday, though. I think the 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 feeling headed into this trade deadline, at least for Sacramento Kings fans, is a little bit different for NBA fans. Uh, it's always fun. Speaking of, can we get back to your Memphis Grizzlies fandom for a minute? Fandom? I just it, said I like them. I, I, I feel like you gave us a pretty like strong like like it was more than just no, I like the Memphis Grizzlies. It, it it felt like like the Grizzlies are really hateable. Like they like not from a basketball playing perspective, just from like a regular perspective, they kind of suck. And that whole debacle last night with your boy Dylan Brooks was ridiculous. So what's so hilarious about it is I wanna say Wednesday, maybe? Wednesday. So that's what, two days ago? Two days ago. I, I posted something that showed uh, Trey Young's three-point percentage, Jordan Poole's three-point percentage, and Dylan Brooks' three-point percentage. They're identical. And you want to say, oh, Trey Young takes harder shots than Dylan Brooks or Jordan Poole does, whatever. The three-point percentage is exactly the same. Like, I think actually Dylan Brooks has a better three-point percentage right now than Trey Young, which is just a, a, a crazy bananas. And I was just like, you know, narratives are funny this way. And people went insane. Do not put this video out nothing pro dylan brooks here it was just just anti dylan brooks anti dylan the hate was palpable crazy hate and so i put out another video listen i get you don't like dylan brooks because he's a chucker i get that you don't like his grayson allen style play but this level of energy for dylan brooks is strange this is weird behavior tell me why take me to your leader why do you guys hate dylan brooks this much one day later one day later, we get what we got. And I was like, oh, well, now I see. Now, got it, got it, got it guys. I, I, feel like the perf- I feel like the perfect guy to ask might be here is Kyle Matson <laughs> joins the party uh, and the death row circle is complete. Um, why do you hate Dylan Brooks, Kyle Matson? If, if Dylan Brooks never played another basketball game, the NBA would be better for it. He's the worst, bro. <laughs> no, the honestly, like, okay, so... It, I mean, it's obvious. It, I don't care that you're going to talk mess and not be that good, but the for me, it really started with him hurting Gary Payton the second last year, and that like, yeah, there, there's the Warriors fandom there, right? And him hurting GP two and and whatnot. But just as a, from a basketball perspective, like that's just that was crap. You don't whack somebody across the back of the head while they're in midair and just full blown wind up and swing. And then this is just like a pattern now. And last night wasn't even a basketball thing. That was just him taking a swing at Donovan Mitchell's Donovan's. And that's that. I just, no, I don't. I get what, how other people feel about Draymond now. 
<laughs> I understand. That's where I was going to go. Like when Draymond yeah. is on your team, you love him. When you're a team playing against him, you're just like, man, I just, I don't get it. I can't handle it. Like it was, he's tough. It, in a series against the Grizzlies, which the Kings might get this year, in a series against the Grizzlies, anytime the possession ends with Dylan Brooks shooting it, it's like, yes, A plus, good possession. So I, I'm just not, I, that's the, that's the other problem. At least Draymond, not excusing it, at least Draymond's like a defensive player of the year and, uh, you know, a guy who can push a triple double every night. Dylan Brooks is just like, <laughs> there's a 50 dudes in the league that are like Dylan Brooks. He stinks. I don't know if I would say there's 50 dudes. Dylan Brooks is a very good defender. There's He's 20. There's, I, I don't know. I just, I feel like if you took Dylan Brooks off the Grizzlies, the Grizzlies would be fine. Can I give That's you another reason why the whole Grizzlies thing is out of control? I think I lost Dylan Brooks after the Shannon Sharp thing when he stood at the podium in like jeans and like a tank top, and it was like tucked yeah, it was into like a bodysuit. Oh, it looked he, he looked absurd. That was one, but two, that whole like John needs to get his crew under control. Like, he's the one, though. He's literally the leader of this. The stuff with his dad, the stuff with his boys getting escorted off of, like, courtside. Like, dude, like, calm down. Like, it's cool. Your dad got, like, his 15 minutes of fame for looking like Usher. Like, that's great. Bro, the next time he goes head-to-head with an NFL Hall of Famer, that Hall of Famer is going to pop him in the mouth. And then what are you going to do? Like, that whole that whole circle needs to chill. Like, they're taking their... They're they're taking their little hard nosed identity a little too far. Like, relax. You're a professional you, basketball player. Calm down. Did you see what Josh said the other day? Uh, he got into it with whoever they played two games ago. I forget who it was. I mean, it's hard to keep track how many altercations. They're at war with everyone. Yeah, was it Minnesota? Uh, I believe it might have been Minnesota. I think it was. I think it was maybe like. I think it was like somebody random that he got into it with. Anyway, so he runs up on him and he's apparently they were yelling. Somebody told John Morant's dad to shut up. And uh, so I, I think it was maybe a Timberwolf. And Jaw runs up on the guy. And he's like, what'd you say? What'd you say? So they ask him what he basically was getting into it with. And he's like, yeah, I, uh, I checked his temperature. He didn't oh. have a fever. And I'm like, wait, what? And so then he's like, yeah. And then so-and-so comes up. I forget who the other player was. So-and-so comes up, and I told him he needed to back up or it was going to be something. And he said he was cooling. And I'm like, what is going on here? Like, Shaw, you ain't fighting nobody, man. We got some big tough guys going on here. Stop it. See, that's what John needs uh, Dylan Brooks because he's going to say something. He needs Stephen Adams there too. Stephen Adams for sure. Stephen Adams Adams is like the reason. And and then remember and listen, I love Jaw. I think Jaw's the most electric player in the NBA night for night on a random Tuesday. I just think he is. He's just like he's the best show on the court right now. But when you're tweeting stuff like that and you're talking about your hollow tips and it's just like, what are we why are we doing this right now? Like, okay, like maybe we shouldn't. The truth you know? is if Steven Adams was five feet away from me at all times, I'd probably pick a fight with everyone in sight too. 
oh the gas God. station, Same. the grocery store. <laughs> You'd run people over in the produce section. I got Steve Nettles here. You want to say something? See that like, guy. What'd you say? What'd you say to me? I have to be so bothered to acknowledge another person in public that bothers me. I would have to, like, you could breathe on me wrong. And if Stephen Adams was with me, I'd be ready to throw hands. And I'm not a fighter at all. Yeah. I'd get my ass kicked by everybody. Yeah. But not with Stephen Adams there, you wouldn't. No. No. Nope. Do you guys think that the Grizzlies are the most hated team in the NBA right now? Absolutely. I don't think there's a close second. Yeah, I, yeah, pro- yeah, probably. My friend yeah. calls him Gen Z Lob City, and I think it's really good. I think it's a really good nickname for him. Like, it's it, the reason I hesitate is because like they're super unlikable, but they've also not done anything, which to me is just like okay, you're just over there. You're just this small dog that's really loud. Like, cool man. Like, there's let the big boys play now. That's so they're, they're like the Chris it. Paul, they're the Chris Paul, Blake Griffin <laughs> Clippers. But Chris yes. Paul's really good, though. So is Jaw. Jaw's good. They have good players. Like I'm not. You don't like Jaw? Wait, was that an eye no, roll? No, for... I didn't. I, I didn't eye roll. I just turned to Trista. my right. Trista, he's mad because Jaw is the player that Russell Westbrook wanted to be. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't mean know that. About I'm that. joking. I'm joking. I don't mean that. I don't mean that. He looked to the side like, yeah, Jaw's not that good. No, Jaw's good, but I thought you were equating like the Memphis Grizzlies to Chris Paul. Like, no, Chris Paul's significantly more successful no, no, than no, the Memphis like, Grizzlies. Like, no, no that they're the the Memphis Grizzlies are the Chris Paul led Clippers. Oh, got yeah. you, got you, got you. Yeah, with with Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan, and they never won a thing, but they were ever everybody hated them. They were always talking trash. Everyone thought they would win a bunch of titles. They never won anything. Exactly. It ended up ending disastrously. I had a rivalry with the Warriors. Yeah, rivalry with the Warriors. I actually root for the Grizzlies, though. I like. I want them to succeed. Like they remind me of the Cincinnati Bengals, kind of. You know. That makes sense because I didn't root for them either. Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow. Yeah, where it's like Joe Burrow. Burrow. Joe Burrow. Yeah, Joe Burrow. Joe Morant. I don't get it. Like, why? Why root for the Bengals? You were just in Buffalo. <laughs> no, I mean, like, I get why people like them. You know what I mean? I get why people have this draw for uh, unapologetically uh, arrogant. Yeah, I did. It wore off real quick, though. I, I was like, I, no, I get it. No, that's cool. I, I like this. I, I think we even did this last year. Like, no, it's, it's cool. I get it. It wore off quick, though. Like, I'm, it, yeah. I'm over it. There reaches a point when you're going to talk trash at the level that they talk trash where, like, Okay, they're down here. They're the Grizzlies. They're plucky. Oh, and they talk some smack. I like this. This is good. But at some point, you got to win something. And they've they're two playoff trips now, and they're still ta- like they're talking as though they're still this plucky underdog. And it's like, no, 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 man. You're you're going to be the one or two seed, and you're going to be a favorite to come out of the West. You got to do something at some point. That's that's what that's what bothers me about them. It's, hmm. it's well, it's, I love it's the arcing. I love the uh, D'Lo and Casey slash 90, 93. I forget their, I, I'm not good with like call letters of a radio station, but the Memphis station I'm on all the time. I go on Tuesday, 93.9, I believe. And they just get so mad how much I ride for the Kings. They just get so mad how much I root for like the broadcast team and lighting the beam. And they're just like, 
you it, this is very clearly a, a a bridge too far this is a rift and i'm like I like everybody. I don't know. What do you guys want me to say? Our dubs. Well, I'll tell you what you can tell them for us. Uh, You could tell them to kiss our ass. I'll do that. I'll do that. Not Stephen Adams. Stephen Adams is our friend, but you can tell everybody else collectively. (laughs) But do you guys like Bane? Do you guys like Desmond Bane? Yes. I actually do. Desmond Bane can hoop. I I can't wait for Desmond Bane to debut at WrestleMania next year. Like, I absolutely yeah. cannot wait for, like, I, we always talk about who's going to end Roman Reigns' run as the champion. I think it might be Desmond Bain. <laughs> He's going to come out and spear Roman Reigns and be the WWE Yeah, that champion. dude is yoked. Yeah, I mean, is. Like, there aren't players like that. You're like, what in the world? Like, Aaron Aflalo used to be like that in Sacramento. He showed up and is like, okay, man, like, can you shoot anymore? I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> Eric Desmond, Bledsoe, another guy. Yeah, Desmond Bain goes to the rim, and like I, I swear he flexes as he's dunking on everyone. It's just like, what is happening? I would too. He's a big dude. I'd be I'd be up there with the with the bicep dunk if, if my arms look like Desmond Bain. Kiss, kissing like, the bicep. Like that dude is ridiculous. Yeah, he is. Desmond Desmond Bain is is easily my favorite Grizzly. He's an yeah. unbelievable player. He's so good. I love Steven Adams. I do too. I love them both. Yeah, yeah being around Steven Adams. Yeah. He's just like his whole per- personality is just spectacular. Like it's so authentic and he just doesn't care. And, you know, he's, he's very nice uh, for a guy that's that big. Uh, just a, like a gigantic human being. I think I and just don't like Jaws new persona. I think that's the only yeah. thing I don't like. Yeah. You don't like ponytail jaw. Yeah, ponytail jaw appears to have an attitude. Yeah, ponytail jaw. I mean, I get it. Sometimes when my hair, when I have my hair up for too long, I get a headache. I get very irritable. It's like sometimes you just got to let your hair down, you know, and you're just in a better mood. Literally never seen your hair up before. Except one Instagram. You did like a or uh, you did like one post workout TikTok once. And that was the only time. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't really like it up. I don't. uh, Well, that because it gives you a headache. That's my head. Yeah, I don't really. And the only time I'll do it is either post workout, like in a workout, or if my hair is so dirty, it poss- it cannot be possibly down. It's, and that oh. has happened before too. Just the grease level oh. is is just so it's just bad. Tight, 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 tight. Pause, pause. Hey, hey, hey I, I'm sure this has been addressed, but forgive me. Are you like in the corner of a restaurant? I'm in a, I'm in a She's hotel. She's about to get glam shots. I'm in a hotel. Uh, it's like a cafe in this hotel called Eleven Howard. Awesome. There's a place called the library. They serve food. But then there's this little back area that's not intrusive to anyone because it's a, like a library. So people are doing work. They're, so I don't think they really want this energy for them. So I've, I've gone to the back, which is a little bit more dimly lit, as you can see. And so I'm, I'm right underneath a lamp. Vibes are strong. No, the vibes Very are strong. strong for There's sure. lots of photoshops uh, on Twitter waiting for you. Do you? <laughs> you are more than welcome to stay, but if you've got other things to do, you can go too. It's really whatever you like. This is the Trista Crick time. I'm, I mean, I'm just having a good time with you guys. Is there anything else you guys feel like is worth addressing? Oh, wait, um, really quick, Kyle, because I haven't talked to you about this. I'm really sad for Brock Purdy. I'm sorry that it went down like that. That stinks. It really, yeah. that's that stinks. Had the same vibe to me, just as a just as as a as a fan of Game Six of the 2019 Finals, yep. where the Raptors won. It's just kind of like, well, what are you gonna do? You know, and <laughs> when guys get hurt, it's hard to win. Yep. So, 
You're like Clay's down, KD's down. Yeah. And the Raptors are really good too. Like I don't, yeah. want, it's not taking away from them. They they could have won the series anyways. But that's just how I felt about about Sunday. So it sucks, but fingers crossed he's back by camp. Yeah. Otherwise, you guys are screwed. We're hitting that use check over next year. <laughs> I did not play that, but I was watching for that, and I was like, Kyle cannot give me out any more bets. He's got he's got no credibility left in the bank. His goodwill no is at negative. His goodwill for bets is at is literally negative. For what it's worth, that was tongue in cheek. The use check over. <laughs> well, you did. I didn't know that. I I could have played that, and you didn't say, "Hey, J.K. J.K." Crying. There was no hint. Of jokes, the all caps, the all caps. Where is where is Kenny in the middle of trade deadline week? Where where's Kenny at? He's actually out by you. He's in Baltimore. Uh, oh, okay. He's, he's in Baltimore for a couple of Orioles days. fan fest. Yeah, he'll. No, he's oh, big, big, I see. Yeah, Orioles media day. I big, get it. Big I Orioles. Get the he's he's got he's got to get the limited edition <laughs> Orioles hat. He had to do it in person. Get a Trey Man, old Trey Mancini jersey yeah. on sale. He'll he'll fly back tomorrow. Yeah, he'll be back nice. with us next week. Well, I miss you guys. I love you guys. Love I you can't back. wait. Yeah. One thing, Ham, uh, what's your one prediction in terms of who surprisingly gets moved and it cannot be Kyrie or KD? Mm. I think OG gets moved. Do you have a thought about where he goes? No, I think it's going to be a bidding war, though. I mean, I, I think, you know, we're seeing that, like, possible Pelicans, possible Grizzlies, um, I think you'll see Portland try to jump into that fray uh, if they can come up with the assets. Yeah, he would be the one guy. Just like the the vibe there is weird in Toronto, and it feels like things are coming to an end, and his value is really high right now uh, with two years left on his contract. And, yeah, that would be the guy that I would think gets moved. You think that uh, it's Shaden Sharp and Jeremy Grant? Is that what that would have to be and, like, a pick? Um, I think, no, they, they really like Jeremy Grant. I think they believe he's going to stick around. So I, I would think you might be right about Shaden Sharp, but, uh, like maybe can you do that with Simons? I, I don't know. I like, I, I think that they would have to get creative. Um, but that's just like, or uh, Portland's not high. Nurk is out for yeah. like until after the all-star break. So yeah. Uh, a lot of people just think that it's time for them to call it in. Just like, hey, what are you guys doing? That's what I think. It's called. It's called packing it up. It's mm. you. You made it up. You're ready to do that you now. Made, you made a valiant effort, guys. Like I'm fine with Dame just going off for 50 on any given night. I do not care about winning games <laughs> right now. I don't. I I just don't. I'm fine with just getting. Why not Scoot Henderson? Get rid of Anthony Simons. You could probably get a little. Oh, go on. Wow. What you that, oh, oh, she's back. Oh, she's back. There she is. Stop talking about her. <laughs> that was what you say? That was mildly terrifying the way it just went black and how your face was really close to the screen when it came back. That was the start of a horror movie for sure. That was I'm It's like dead you. me. It's like dead me. I see dead people. <laughs> Saw 8 here with Trista at this place in New York. Goodness gracious. Yeah, and I'm dropping. I'm going to go ahead and drop pins so you guys know where I'm at. You know? Please do it. Yeah, just please StreamYard, do it. StreamYard is like, this is too much Blazers. Yeah. <laughs> too Far much. too much. Yeah, blazers. I'm interested to see if Phoenix goes, gets to, goes to get OG, get, like maybe move DeAndre or something. Well, here's a <laughs> question. Can trade him now? Yeah. Here, here's a question. You can both respond. December. 
Kyle, what, 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 what are the Warriors? The Warriors, Vibing. like every like week or so, instill fear in the rest of the Western Conference, and then the next week it's like ah, not so much. That's what they are. Like that's what they are. Last year, this time they were forty and thirteen, and everyone's like, hey, why are you giving up on them? They won the title last year, and look at because they weren't twenty six and twenty six. At the Remember game. though, Boston. Boston was uh, five hundred at the deadline. Yeah, but Boston had good players. <laughs> oh, but Boston has had last year had was way deeper than this Warriors team. Like the the Warriors are going like eight deep right now because they just don't have guys. It gets it, it just, just getting like, ready for the playoffs. Shortened rotation. Just getting like, ready for the playoffs. Yeah, I know. I love doing that in early February because they like the fact they chased the win last night in Denver and didn't rest everybody. Uh, except for for Clay, and then Draymond got hurt, but Steph played and Wiggins played on the back end of the back to back after blowing a fourteen point fourth quarter lead in Minnesota. It was just like, dude, what are we? <laughs> this is not like okay. Th- so they make the playoffs fine, but are they going to beat four teams four times out of seven? I just don't. I just don't, and I don't know what assets they have that are tradable that anybody's going to want. They like burn all James those. Wiseman. They burn all those young guys. Yeah, J- like J- James Wiseman has no trade value right now. Moses Moody has no trade value right now. Jonathan Kaminga does, but I don't think they want to let him go. So they only want to get rid of guys who have no trade value. <laughs> right. It's like what we're going to do is we're going to trade our bad players to other teams for the other team's good players, and that's how we're going to build a winner. Yeah, they just don't. I don't like. Do they need to make a move? Yeah, I just don't know what it is. I, I don't, I don't, I don't see it. What, what about you guys trying to go out and get Kyrie Irving? The Warriors? Yep. So, <laughs> so actually, so my my boss Matt Higgins, God love him, he comes in and he goes, hey, so let's think about this from the Warriors' perspective. Like, it's a no, right? I was like, yes, and he's like, but just basketball wise, and I'm like, yeah, man, like they don't need another guy who can score the ball and then not play defense. Like they, they just. Like Jordan Poole for Kyrie Irving straight across. Are the Warriors that much better? I don't yes. Think so. <laughs> yes. They I are. think the, yes. the way you talk about Kyrie in relationship to uh, to the Warriors is would if the Lakers got him, they're a game and a half behind the Warriors. What does it mean for the Warriors? Exactly. Like that's exactly. where you're you're if you're covering it from that angle. That's that's a scary proposition. Hundred percent. But then it's like, are they tra- Russ is their only tradable asset there, unless they're going to stack like nine guys, which they're not. So is Russ going to go play with KD again? That's what how I does said. that? It's just oof, oof. And really bad picks, like really, really future, yeah. like twenty seven, twenty nine, right? That's all they yeah. can offer. Yeah, yeah, not great. No, yikes. Good stuff. Kyrie on Phoenix is concerning. I read OG in New Orleans was a thing too. Um, those are yeah. two teams that are both. Uh, behind Sacramento, uh, in OG in New Orleans would be sick. The Pelicans would be really hard to beat. They just have just to. What do they give? Yeah, yeah, that's true. They just have to. Like, I, I mean, they've played without one or the other before. Like, I don't feel that this skid is like massive for them. Yeah, yeah. They they've struggled really without bad. one guy. They've they they've never struggled like this. Uh, and yeah. Ingram's been back for a handful of games now. 
Yeah, no, they need to figure something out. Zion's nowhere to be found, so I don't know what that is yeah, about. It, 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 James said he was reading something today. He, he just started to run. Oh, see, yeah. see this, this is like they, very vintage Zion. Yeah, they said they're not putting any time for a return on him at all. So, I mean, I don't think he'll be back by the All-Star break. Certainly. Or maybe he'll be back after the All-Star break, but... Like it, it seems like very Zion-ish to come back the day before the All Star break and then play in the All Star game and then uh, and then miss a bunch of time after and probably the hurt All-Star. himself. Yeah, in there. Mm, that's the yeah. unfortunate part. Uh, Trista's gonna glow, go uh, glue herself to the NBA offices in New York to get De'Aaron into the All Star game. Uh, yep. This is always the the funnest hour of the week. Uh, Kyle Matson. I'm really not sure what Kyle's going to do, if he's going to stay or go or really what he wants to do. But either way, we've gone for like an hour straight. So we're going to take a, we're going to take a commercial break. We'll be back. It's Dino and Casey with James Hammond here on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320. No, no, no. Back to D-Lo and Casey. D-Lo and Casey on ESPN 1320. The fun continues as we'll just become your official pregame show for the Kings and Pacers coming up here in just about 13 minutes. Kyle Matson, uh, kind enough, who worked double duty at 95.7 The Game this morning in San Francisco, uh, kind enough to stick around uh, and hang out a little bit longer as we work through the woes of uh, the NBA Western Conference and the trade deadline coming up and all that's going on with Sacramento. You obviously had a chance. I, I didn't get a chance to listen to what you sent me. Um, mm. But it sounds like uh, an all uh, a potential all star snub was repping pretty hard for De'Aaron Fox. Yeah, Anthony Edwards was on uh, one of the Ringer NBA shows and was like, "I don't even care that I didn't make it. I wasn't very good at the beginning of the year. It's crazy that De'Aaron Fox didn't get in." And he went on a whole thing about how there's a bunch of guys. He didn't name guys who got in that shouldn't have. But he said there's definitely some guys that shouldn't have gotten in, and he was flabbergasted that De'Aaron Fox didn't get in. Big De'Aaron Fox guy, Anthony Edwards. I, too, am flabbergasted that De'Aaron Fox didn't get in. Uh, I, I don't know. When you lock, when you watched that whole thing unfold, just where were you at? What, like, what was your thought process as they, they were naming the All-Stars? So when you look at the guards, to me, like, it's, I think, like, it's difficult to be like, Dame for example, should not have made the team. Like, I can't say that. Like, I just don't feel great about that. And same with SGA, um, or it was John Steph or the other ones, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I, I, but then Jaron Jackson Jr. makes it. And it's like, really? Like, that's, when you're building the best of the Western Conference, that's, that's just not, that's not what the team is supposed to look like. When you just look at what De'Aaron Fox has done this year, um, I don't, I, I, it's, it's, I don't get it. And I think that if he has this exact same season for the Lakers or the Celtics or a team that is a bigger brand, I think he's in. And I think that just kind of is how the all-star voting process goes. And that sucks. Yeah, it is. It's 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 frustrating. Um, but as we talked about at the beginning of the show, and it is worth repeating here uh, so many hours later, if you had told Sacramento Kings fans we'd have an all-star at the beginning of the season, um, 
we'd be elated. And we would all have assumed that it was De'Aaron Fox. Uh, the fact that we thought we had two and had one yanked away from us uh, certainly sucks. But uh, it is worth celebrating DeMontis Sabonis in the season that he's had uh, and how incredible uh, he's been for this franchise. And kudos to two general managers as well who, you know, they were able to get uh, respective players on their organizations into different spots. Both organizations, obviously Indiana's in a different place, but Indiana's you can point directly to Tyrese Halliburton being out of the lineup to Indiana's uh, downturn. Uh, and But they were in a better position, a much better position when he was healthy and he was playing well. Sacramento was in a, uh, a better position, and both guys were named to the All-Star team. And those two teams play tonight in Indiana. So that's, that's, that's just a... That that that's an applause for Monty McNair. That's an applause for Domas and, and Tyrese and Indiana uh, and the whole process. Because hopefully everyone will shut up about it now and can acknowledge, <laughs> hey, this worked out for everybody. Let's keep it moving. How often does that happen in a trade where it's just like, yeah, great, great for both sides. Good work, everybody. Honest to God, James, you you got a better memory than me. I can't think of a time that it's worked I, out like this. I didn't have one off the top of my head last night when I was thinking about it. No, I, I can't remember trades that work out like this at all. Um, you know, like, especially in Sacramento. I mean, trades like this never work out. Uh, I mean, certainly the Chris Weber trade for Mitch Richmond worked out for Sacramento, but not for Washington at all. Right. Um, like, balanced trades, like, they just don't really happen. Mm-hmm. Like, most of the time in the NBA, you have your haves and your haves nots. Uh, teams that are going one direction, another team going another direction. And, you know, the trades you know, they're, they're usually salary dumps and, and it works for one side and not the other. And it's really weird to see not just work, but like work to perfection Mm. for, for one franchise and work, like give another team, like a breath of fresh air for the future. That's a good call from Will W that the, the, the Knicks nuggets deal, both teams made the playoffs that year. Um, Oh yeah. And both, it worked for both teams that year. Uh, can't really remember what happened afterwards, but I remember the year that deal was done, both teams made the playoffs. You know, it's kind of interesting not to – the the Andrew Wiggins trade to Golden State felt like it was on track to work out for both teams. Like, honestly, it, or obviously in different on different levels, right? Like, Wiggins got the Warriors where they needed to get back to a title, and – D'Angelo Russell was really nice for the Timberwolves last year, and then they burned it down with the Gobert trade. So I think that one got off the rails a little bit. But it felt like it was heading that direction. But even that trade wouldn't have been really balanced if the Warriors wouldn't have blown the pick, right? Because didn't they get the Wiseman pick out of that? No, it was uh, Kaminga. Oh, it was Kaminga. The Wiseman okay. pick was their own. That's <laughs> that right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah, fun uh, season. Yeah, but even still, the Kaminga pick you know, if they took Franz Wagner right there, um, mm. you know, like if they wouldn't have like kind of, well, they went young, right? right. They went with uh, like a, like a swing in the dark. Like you have no idea mm. what you're going to get there. Right. Um, Kaminga's got plenty of talent, but who knows if he ever develops. Yeah. I don't want to let you go without talking about the 49ers for a few minutes. Uh, yeah. This season, obviously. Yeah came to an end on 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 Sunday and man it's already been an eventful week for them because the the, the second uh we find out about Purdy's UCL injury it's like Tom Brady here we go and then Tom Brady's like no I'm retiring 
That's cool. Aaron <laughs> Rodgers, for reasons known to no one other than he's a giant jerk, screamed, I'm not going to San Francisco uh, at a golf tournament, which is fine for everyone involved because he's a jackass. <laughs> and so it's like, put it out. Really <laughs> okay, like n- now what? You, you know, it, it, it feels no. like is Trey Lance in the best position to be the starting quarterback at the beginning of next season? No, Brock Purdy is going to be the starter unless, unless, so Tommy John is still on the table, which would be oh. nine to 12 month recovery. Yeah. But everything we've heard outside of random doctor on the Dan Patrick show who hasn't seen an MRI or is evaluated re- it's the Curry most ridiculous practice in, in sports media is to put a doctor who hasn't evaluated someone on the radio. Insane. So I, I don't want to, we have a UCSF doctor of sports medicine on our show every week. Dr. Neral Pandey is great, but everything is couched in having evaluated the player. Yep. But typically when this injury happens, Here's the timeline for recovery. It's not like about the player specifically, right? So um, everything and everything we've heard, everything John Lynch has said in his in his press conference on Wednesday with Kyle Shanahan was six six months. Kyle Shanahan was like he's going to be back throwing in three six. So that seems to be where it's trending. And if he's back in the middle of August, in the middle of training camp, and he gets all those reps plus a preseason couple of preseason series i think they're that comfortable with him that they're like yep he's good to go now trey will have a great opportunity with all the ota snaps and then all the first team snaps of of whatever bits of training camp brock misses and maybe he's awesome and forces the 49ers hand and going man you know what we drafted this guy to be a top five guy and he's really developing nicely um but i mean brock didn't lose a game that he finished so Mm. Um, that's, I, I, I think it's probably trending towards Purdy, but I think there's a world where, where Trey kind of stakes his claim to the spot for sure. Is there a world where there's a completely different quarterback in San Francisco next year? It like, I mean, not to like a Derek Carr or name that, that guy who could possibly step in Lamar Jackson. (laughs) Uh, I don't think Baltimore's letting Lamar Jackson go. I think, I think John Harbaugh is too smart for that. But, um, no, I, I don't think so. I, I think they're they're content with those two guys, and then they'll go get – I the name I keep that keeps popping into my head is Case Keenum. Like, I think mm. that's the perfect QB3. You can be inactive on game days if you need him as your backup. You feel okay about it. Um, but that's the kind of level of quarterback I think they're going to sign because I think they were that impressed with Brock Purdy. And, I mean, they've still got so much invested in Lance. The best thing they can do is develop him this offseason whether it's for future trade asset or to be the quarterback that they were hoping he'd be at number three, like this is a huge opportunity for him and for them. I, so I don't, cause Derek Carr is going to get a contract. Like he's going to mm-hmm. get a deal. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to get a contract. Uh, Lamar certainly is going to get a contract. I don't, I don't think the Niners are going to want to issue, you know, a four or five year deal at 30 to 40 million for, for a quarterback when they're going to pay $10 million for their quarterback room this year. Great stuff from Kyle Matson as always. We'll come back. We'll get you ready for the Kings and the Pacers next here on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320. D-Lo and Casey. D-Lo and Casey continues on ESPN 1320. Big thanks to Kyle Matson for hanging out with us for a while. Always uh, 
fun when Trista Crick is here. And uh, big thanks to James Ham for hanging out with us uh, the last couple of days. Uh, Kenny Carraway will be back with us uh, on Monday. And uh, James will, in fact, be back with us on Monday uh, as well as he is every single Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Uh, and we've got basketball coming up. Not tonight. we got basketball coming up in about an hour. Uh, in Indiana, uh, the crew is arriving. Pictures are being taken. Players are on the court. Uh, we've got one one thing I am happy about, and I'm curious how they would, given the things that we've seen, Chris Biederman posted a great tweet where uh, Indiana had some pictures welcoming back uh, Domas and Trey Lyles and uh, Barbosa's time in Indiana, Mike Brown. And, like, that's all great. They, they got to do the big reveal and introduction for Tyrese Halliburton yesterday. It would have been really interesting to see what would like if they would have announced Tyrese and Domas on the floor last night, because that would have been a really unique situation where Domas is in front of a very, very familiar crowd uh, and could have gotten announced as as an all star at the same time Tyrese did. Because from what I understand, they put Shaq reading the name oh yeah yeah onto the big screen yeah that would have been fun because like look i can't imagine that domas isn't beloved there like even i know like larry bird it, this is part of the happy hour last night but i i know this before the before the happy hour as well that um larry bird had has gone on record saying like look well maybe not gone on record he's he's made it clear behind the scenes that he would never have traded sabonis mm. Like even even for Ty, he wouldn't have traded. He wouldn't have made the trade. He thinks Sabonis is that special, and that they should have stripped it down and built around Sabonis. Uh, that he wasn't too old to to rebuild that, for, uh, you know, and, and do something different. So, um, like, look, I, I think he he will get a hero's welcome tonight in in Indiana. It's the first mm-hmm. game back. They they did go there last year, but he was out for the game. I'm not sure. Uh, I could have been after the which. injury. Remember, he got injured. It was either when he got injured or it was when he got suspended for a game. You remember he got suspended for a game, strangely. And then right. there was also, he, uh, I think his wife had a baby. Official. Is that what happened? He he bumped an official? Is that what got yeah. him suspended? I can't, I can't remember. It's been a long time. <laughs> but, but yeah, I think it was last year he was, I believe he was on the suspended list uh, just for one game. And it was like, oh, are you are you kidding me? Like it, it became a very odd situation. Um, anyway, I think that he should be welcomed back with open arms, just like you know Ty for the most part was in Sacramento, where Buddy Hield wasn't. Uh, oh, but, Tyrese know. definitely was, and I think a big reason for that one, I I do believe the fans and the people here genuinely love Tyrese Halliburton, but they also had a villain, and I think that was a, a sneaky important component to that too. Was if. He, even if you were a little frustrated with Tyrese and some of the podcast and all of that stuff, you didn't need to take your frustration out on him. You could take it out on Buddy. And the crowd did. Yeah. In ways that I I really didn't see that coming. I thought Buddy would probably get some boos. I didn't think he would get booed that loud. And I didn't think he would get booed every time he touched the ball. That was a pleasant surprise. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> I, I always get enjoyment out of it to see how players react. Um, you know, you know, if you go back to last year's game um, when uh, the Kings traveled to, 
to uh, Indiana uh, to Indiana to go play the Pacers. Um, it was kind of a similar situation where um, Davion had to start. Uh, mm-hmm. It you know uh, De'Aaron was out and Damian Jones started because you had no uh, Sabonis. Um, yeah, it was an interesting night. Chemezi Metu put up twenty two points in that game. Uh, Davion Mitchell had twenty five and seven. Um, both were very impressive. Trey Lyles, 11 off the, well, no, 11 as a starter uh, oh, during my. the Trey Lyles starting era. Yeah, you remember Trey Lyles started a bunch of games down the stretch last year after they acquired him. Um, yeah, definitely different. I'm looking. Well, you're going to have to refresh my memory here, Hammer. I'm looking at the box score from November 30th. Trey Lyles isn't even on it. Trey didn't even play the first time these two teams played this year. Oh, this year? Yeah, this year. Uh, November 30th at the Golden One Center. Um, there were seven players in double digits. Uh, Harrison Barnes led scoring. <laughs> Harrison Barnes led the Kings in scoring with 22 on... S- <laughs> this is the most Harrison Barnes stat. On six of nine shooting. Oh, yeah, he went to the line a bunch, right? He was nine of ten at the foul line. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he took it he took it to him and uh they they really like neutralized Miles Turner. Like really really interesting. And you know, I like I think both teams are different at this point. Uh Jalen Smith was playing a bunch of minutes that night and Jay you remember Jalen Smith lit the Kings up 4 or 5 from 3. Uh he was really good, but I don't think he's been playing a ton recently. Uh, yeah, I, like Sabonis didn't even have a huge night that night. Uh, yeah, he didn't. He had a a, a, a very quiet double double. Uh, 11, 11 Well, it was 10. a blowout though. Those yeah. guys only played like twenty six, twenty seven minutes. Uh, even Sabonis played twenty three minutes that night. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, it, it should be fun to watch. Like, I, I like when players go back and and get to play in front of a crowd that they, uh, you know, that supported them for a long time. And, and Domas was there for a long time and. In Indiana, in Indiana, so uh, Pacers fans are always very passionate fans. They're a good fan base, and I, I'm sure they'll embrace him. Um, you know, he's not a guy that leaves on bad terms. Yeah, that just seems impossible. Uh, doesn't seem like Domas would be the guy who would be on camera yelling an obscenity about his former team in the background. Um, yeah. <laughs> I got a bad vibe about this game. Hmm. I'm going to tell you why. And, I, and I've, it, no, it, I've, we've talked about it for a couple of days now. Indiana's thirsty. Like, they're desperate. They have to get back on track. Like, if that's what they're attempting to do, they need to get back on track, and it needs to start quickly. You drop that really, really tough game. I'm sure it was great to have Tyrese back out there. Um but you dropped that tough one against the Lakers where you were leading most of the way. You had a couple of opportunities at a go-ahead score, and you couldn't finish. You've got the – you've, you know, I'm wondering if you have a – this isn't a real thing, but I'll make it one. You know, you've got the hangover. you got the, the all-star hangover, so to speak. Devonta Sabonis, named to an all-star. Okay, you got that big emotional moment. You got De'Aaron Fox out tonight. Uh, you got this team smack dab in the middle – of a seven-game road trip uh, coming up, knowing that New Orleans is on the way, you got a couple against Houston. I just, I don't know. I got, I got, I gotta, 
I got an uncomfortable feeling about this one, Hammer. Hmm. Um, I, I don't. Uh, I, I think Davion is a is a really strong matchup for Ty. I think the emotion's uh, also a little higher for them in Indiana too. Like you said this yesterday, they know. Like they they you know we might not be talking about this game as much as we were the one on the thirtieth. Yo, they owe Sacramento one. No, I I totally agree. But at the same time, like the Sacramento Kings are a really good basketball team. Mm -hmm. They're playing like a really good basketball team right now. Uh, Indiana, they've lost fourteen out of fifteen. Is that what we said it was? Something. It it was. It was something bad. And it's yeah, definitely they lost won four in a row, and then they had a huge losing streak right before that. They won one game. Um, per the NBA lineups page, I'll, I'll tell you that as of right now, uh, the starting lineup for the Kings, Davion Mitchell, Kevin Herter, Harrison Barnes, Keegan Murray, and DeMontis Sabonis. Mm-hmm. Um, I, this could possibly change, but I don't think so. Uh, for, um, for the Pacers, we have Halliburton, we have Buddy Heald, we have Chris Duarte, uh, Aaron Neesmith at the four and Miles Turner. Um, yeah, okay. just, yeah, so that's what they have so far. That's uh, as of right now. Uh, I don't think those are projected. I think in order to go up on that page, uh, you have to actually have, uh, you know, that's it's something that they put in the system. Um, but lineups don't have to be in until 30 minutes before the game. So it's also a little early. And that's just a little it's a it's a little bit different of a lineup than we saw uh at the Golden One Center. Tyrese was really quiet that night. Uh nine points, ten assists. Uh he got frustrated early. Uh, he 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 tried to assert himself and was just unable to. Uh Buddy had seventeen that night. You know, Buddy always wants to try to stick it to the Sacramento Kings. Uh or he'll always try to stick it. Uh, to the Sacramento Kings, and then you just have a group of, of 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 guys who know they need to win a game. And perhaps the flip side to my uh, uneasiness about this game was all of the emotion that you know, because I do believe the crowd you know can feed into this. All of the emotion that the the crowd has, they may have let a lot of it out last night, trying to will them to a victory over the Los Angeles Lakers, because that's a big deal too. It's not like they were playing the the you know. No shade, but not, it's not like they were playing the Houston Rockets or the Detroit Pistons. LeBron James was here on his road to the all-time leading scoring record. That was a big night for that crowd also. Uh, and they were into it. Like, they were amped. They were loud. Um, they knew they were, you know, they were seeing history in LeBron James, and they knew that 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 at least for a large chunk of that game, their team was in a solid position to, you know, put this losing streak behind them. They got their star back. They got their all-star back, uh, and, and and they had a chance to get set out on the right path. So, you know, maybe the flip side to my uneasiness is that the crowd let out a lot of emotion, and maybe even the players to a certain degree. As we talked about Tyrese before, Tyrese certainly amped to play the Sacramento Kings. Mr. Halliburton told us on numerous occasions on this show that Tyrese's favorite player is, is LeBron James. So that was a big night for him also for many reasons, for coming back and for playing LeBron. Yeah, um, but still, I mean, you're you're a team that's struggling, yeah. right? So, yeah. like, it's it is a team that hasn't been able to get out of their own way for for a while. And Halliburton makes a huge difference with what they do. I looked it up; they'd lost seven in a row, one one, and now they've lost four. So they've lost eleven out of twelve. The Kings have a bunch of teams like this on this road trip, yeah. where they're wounded animals, 
and and you're worried that they're backed into a corner and they're going to come out and play you a different way than they have recently. Um, it, it doesn't matter though if the Kings are playing their basketball, hitting shots, and feeding Sabonis. They're really, really tough to beat on each and every night that they go out there. So, yeah, I, I don't know. This is it should be a good game, um, but you're looking at a team that's desperate for a win versus a team that knows exactly what the mission is. So the Kings know what they need to do on this road trip in order to come home and go into all-star break as as a team that's really got a legitimate shot to to hold on to a playoff spot, but maybe even host a playoff spot, uh, a, play, a playoff series. And that's a lot of motivation for the Kings. And you can, you know, talk about all the emotions of the night and playing against Mm -hmm. your former team and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, the Kings are walking in almost every single game with like this professionalism that we haven't seen in a long time where they're game ready and, you know, like who's next. And, and I like it. I like the, I I would, I would take the Kings uh, betting wise in a game like this tonight. And that seems like such a shift in mentality from past years or maybe mentality, a, a shift in approach. Like And they've earned it. 50 games into a season, they can walk in to a team that, is, would you say, lost 11 of 12? They could walk in and say, we're better than them. And we need to start this game like we're better than them. We need to finish this game like we're better than them. And we can't like really turn our nose up at that line of thinking now because how many times did we walk into, you know, come out of games last year where they're playing these bad teams and you're wondering, what? What is even the approach of this team? Like, what are they thinking going into to these games where they're playing teams that are just horrific? The famous uh, Tristan Thompson uh, the, the press conference where they, they we're losing to teams that aren't even trying to win basketball games at this point. It's a very clear shift in mentality. And on this road trip in particular, I, I mean, I, I hope you're right. I'd love to see that. I'd love to see that pay off because you've got a bad team to close out. You just it's, a, it's just a flat-out bad team in the Houston Rockets. That's not what Indiana is. That's not what New Orleans is. They're in different categories than San Antonio and Houston, and I think you've got to find different ways. Uh, to be. You've, you've got to extend their misery. Yeah, there's a difference between a team that's playing bad and a bad team. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, again, the next two games are against teams that are playing bad, for sure. I mean, and... You're also like you're getting the Pacers on the second night of a back to back. You're getting New Orleans on the uh, three nights and four games on the fourth the fourth night. So like you you have the advantage in these series that are easily equal to home court advantage. Like as far as like the betting odds and stuff, you know, you usually betting odds you get plus three for being at home. So if they think that the other team is three points better than you, then the betting line would be zero, right? Uh, but like in a game like tonight or a game like uh, Sundays, like all of these things factor in. Like the fact that these are teams that not all, not only are losing, but they lost last night. And the other, you know, again, the Pelicans are on a, just a slide. Yeah. And it's not like they're getting someone back. Like at least Indiana is getting Ty back and he's been their motor. Well, they're not getting Zion back before Sunday. So, like, you got to take advantage of these teams when they're down. This means absolutely nothing, but it just dawned on me that each of the Kings' next two opponents, including tonight, play the Lakers the night before. 
the Lakers and Pacers played last night. The Pelicans and Lakers play tomorrow. And then, of course, that's Sunday's game uh, for Sacramento. I got a Will Z special. I don't know if Will Z is, is, is out there listening, but I know he'll love this stat. Fast break points when these two teams played at the Golden 1 Center. Sacramento Kings, 31-8. to eight. That is a phenomenal number uh, for Sacramento in that department, and that is Will Z's favorite stat, those fast break points. And, and, and they, were, they were getting at it uh, against this Pacers team. They even out-rebounded them 58-47 to 47, uh, in that one on November 30th as well. Yeah, we'll see if uh, the Kings have this aggressive defense that we saw last time out where, well, the last two games, I think, where they're playing passing lanes in a different way, where they're um, they're trying to get transition points. Uh, some games you don't have to worry about. Like, I even remember the, the Pacers game the first time. It was a lot of bad shots. It was a lot of, like, nervous energy in the building that, that led to a bunch of fast break points. Um, I tonight like the kings need to be a better defensive team than they have been and they need to show that this latest trend where they're turning they're forcing turnovers is real and something that they can start to build on and that would be a good thing talking about mentalities is that this this style of defense uh, that we've seen over the course of the last couple of games is that simply a shift in mentality is it simply a shift of guys we can do this we've done it we actually do it pretty regularly just the spurts are way too short we have to do it more consistently throughout the 48 minutes no i i think it's a shift in mentality like if i'm watching what they're doing like like for example early in the season um we we had a coaching seminar with mike brown right where him and his coaches took us out on the court the media they took the media out on the court and they showed us all of like what their schemes are and all these sayings and they had this thing where if uh, you know, you're know you in the corners, you're supposed to fly in for offensive rebounds. They called it the crash zone um, or the uh, scrub zone. I think that was, they had two different versions of it, like two different terms for it, right? Um, but that was the idea. Well, the Kings ended up being really, really bad in transition in the first four games of the season. And they completely stopped doing that. Now those guys on the perimeter don't go in and crash for offensive rebounds. They get back on defense. And it was because they were giving up too many transition buckets. Uh, So now they're one of the worst offensive rebounding teams in the league, but you're willing to give up the offensive rebounds um, because all those are like second chance points, right? Uh, You're willing to give that up because you're getting back and playing better defense. Um, now they haven't played better defense. I don't know what better is because like this team doesn't play good defense. Uh, but this seems to me like they have made a conscious decision to change the way that they approach defense. So it's they haven't changed their scheme as much as they have hit like a toggle switch that you can in a video game that says play aggressive defense or play uh, safe defense. And they've hit the switch and said, okay, we're going to try this aggressive defense thing and see how far that takes us. And that only might last for, you know, they might win a handful of games using it, especially against bad teams, but then they'll run into a buzzsaw. They'll get killed a couple of times doing this aggressive defense and they'll switch back. Uh, But you never know. Maybe they do catch lightning in a bottle and become something that is part of their identity for the rest of this season. And if you can mix 
a bunch of transition opportunities and steals with their refined half court offense, then like the sky is literally the limit for this team. Like they're like if they can bump up what they already do on the offensive end and become even better, uh, that would be stunning. But if they could make the the defense part of that improvement, it would make this team really, really difficult to uh, to beat. I think you can acknowledge that the Kings aren't playing good defense, but they're playing better defense. Like, I think that's completely fair. Like, you can acknowledge, like, hey, they're not a very good defensive team. Okay, that's fine. But they're playing better than they were three games ago or four games ago. And I guess what I'm not, like, super clear on, like, we saw Mike's frustration a couple of times uh, at the podium with, with, with this team in post-game press conferences. But I don't think Mike just taught them something in a practice over the course of the last week. Like, this is something he's been over, and I think this has been something that they've done. I think it's just something that they're finally doing in the first quarter rather than waiting till the fourth. And I think a lot of Kings fans were screaming like, okay, if we're talking spurts of defense, why do the spurts only come late? Like, if a team is getting hot, if, if, if someone's starting to cook, why can't that spurt come in the first quarter? Why can't we find a way to shut the water off, so to speak, there early in the game? And that's what we've started to see over the course of, of, of the last couple of, last couple of games. Yeah, I really wish that they were here or that we had, um, like, the last couple of years, the Zoom link where we mm-hmm. could ask questions. Because I, I do think it's a philosophical change that they're they're trying they're trying something different and they're giving these guys a little bit more leeway than they have in the past because you know like harrison barnes is not a guy who historically gets a bunch of steals and all of a sudden you see him getting you know a couple of steals per game uh De'Aaron fox malik monk we're seeing like this energy from them that's different and it, it looks like it's different as far as like the scheme that they're coming into like again they're not changing the the basics of their defense they're just changing one aspect of it and it's how they defend and it's that they're allowing guys to come off of you know like to basically if a guy is taking one of your teammates off the dribble it's okay to slide over and try to pick a, a, a get a steal don't stay on your man the whole time and that's just not something that we've seen in the past one of their, is their that basic Mike? tenets is is that, that a is that a is that like is that a Mike Brown thing? Yeah, I think Mike Brown is like searching. I, I think he's searching for different ways that he can take advantage of either like this would be the speed and the quickness of your team, right? If you're getting beat with size, if if you're having teams come at you and like either go like try to break you down going to the basket or they're like what we saw out of Yaka Pertle, right? Yaka Pertle can go right over the top of Sabonis because Sabonis isn't a long arm guy. Um, but then what the Kings have been doing is they're trying to give a different type of effort. They're 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 going for steals where as opposed to just playing like a straight man up. Like Mike has said all season long, play defense with your chest. That's not what I'm seeing lately. Lately, I'm seeing, sure, in the post, play defense with your chest, but we're seeing some of the players have a little bit more leeway to play the passing lanes and and to be a help defender in a different way. The rotations are faster. The rotations are different. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I kind of wish we had Mike here so we could ask him these questions, uh, but 
you know, or that I was on the road so we could ask him these questions, but without like being there and without having like a, a real legitimate conversation with him, it'd be hard to see like what his thoughts are of whether it's like a, a structural change or it's something, you know, like their, their basic tenants are very simple. It's like play defense with your chest, push guys towards the outside, like the sideline, use the sideline as your friend. Um, you know, the crash zone stuff, the second effort, that's one of their biggest thing is they want to see second efforts, which is where you see uh, Keegan Murray try to go into the key to help out Sabonis on the backside, but then Harrison Barnes circling around and getting his three-point shooter in the corner. Those are all the second efforts that they talk about. Um, but what we're seeing right now is it's it's interesting because they they just look different to me. Uh, more on the Kings and Pacers uh, coming up. An interesting note from Derek Carr I want to pass along. And an update from Chris Haynes on the Kyrie Irving situation. And, man, this is an interesting one. Uh, we'll have that for you when the one Casey return with James Ham here on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN. D-Lo and Casey continues streaming live on the Odyssey app. Two quick things uh, I want to mention, Hammer, before we get back to the Kings. The first one being, uh, I just saw that Derek Carr uh, is allowed to speak to teams uh, for the first time regarding a potential trade. Uh, that's oh. that's that's interesting for a variety of reasons. And I think the Raiders just realized Derek Carr is in full control of this situation. <laughs> like The Raiders essentially have control over nothing. Uh, so it is 100% in their best interest to let let him speak to other teams as their deadline day is coming up here. Uh, I think it was February 17th. I put it in the notes, but I don't have them directly in front of me. I think it was February 17th uh, is the day. Um, February 15th, excuse me. That's That's the official day that his contract gets triggered. So if he's not traded or waived, uh, the Raiders owe him $40.5 million. Chris yeah. Haynes. Sorry, go ahead. I would even think that them like they're really glad the Pro Bowl isn't the Pro Bowl. Like, because the last thing you want him doing is going out and getting injured. Yeah. Because if he can't pass a physical, then they have to pay him that forty million. Yeah. So yeah, that would be big. Um yeah, did you see his clip yesterday? Uh um, I didn't. I read I read some of the I read some of the transcript from about where he was talking about the the, the the deadline and, and things like that. Well, someone asked him if, uh, like, he, I guess he, like, hit a bunch of passes in a row. They said, have you ever been this hot in uh, in Las Vegas? And he goes, well, probably not. That's probably why I won't be yeah. here anymore. Yeah. I did <laughs> I catch like, that. hey yeah, I did catch that. I like Derek Carr, man. He's, he, uh, I don't know. He, he's a good dude. Like, I, I, I think Derek Carr is probably the most harmless guy on the planet. He's one of those guys who really does just want to play football. Um, there's just some times where he needed to play football a little bit better. Though I'm I'm not going to blame Nathaniel Hackett for Russell Wilson's struggles and not blame Josh McDaniels for some of Derek Carr's struggles. Uh, this from Chris yeah. Haynes. This, this is interesting. Kyrie Irving's camp did not negotiate after the Brooklyn Nets presented an offer that was tied to the team winning a championship. Told the issue was not about money, uh, and now it said he wouldn't even stay if offered a full max contract. 
That again, according to our good friend, Chris Haynes. Never boring. <sighs> never boring with that guy. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think that tells you that, A, uh, he didn't believe that they could win a championship, and uh, B, that there was never going to be a full max contract either way. Like, I, I don't believe any. And and to say that it's not about money, like, whatever. Like, uh, a, a contract being tied to winning a championship, though, that's, that's, that's that extra. Mean? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Does that I don't mean know. that he that, gets that, a five million dollar bonus if they win the championship? That tweet obviously came from Kyrie's side of this conversation. Yeah, I'm guess. That 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 information to Chris Haynes obviously came from Kyrie's side. So I I I, I have no idea what it means. I can't even. <laughs> I can't look. You can stay another year if we win a championship, dude. I have no idea what that looks like. But that's it. it it's it's insane either way. Uh, but it fits because we're talking about Kyrie Irving, so why not? It's wild. Like uh, all of it's wild. A couple of uh, Will Z stats uh, headed into tonight's Kings Pacers game. Uh, Will Z tweeted just a little bit ago: Indiana turns the ball over a lot, fifteen point four per game. That's the fourth most in the league. Kings have had uh, increased defensive activity with deflections and steals recently, so those two things should go uh, pretty nicely together. Uh, another note from Will Z, the Pacers allow opponents to shoot 37.2% from three. That's the third highest uh, in the NBA, and that's actually where I wanted to start this final conversation, James, before we go get in front of the TVs and watch this game. The team has struggled from three uh, in the last three games. It's really good because they're 2-1 and one in those games, but that's not something that we're used to seeing from them. Something we're really not used to seeing is Kevin Herter only playing 18 minutes uh, because he's struggling from behind the line. And, of course, they got the big boost uh, from Malik Monk, and the game was really dominated by DeMontis Sabonis uh, and De'Aaron Fox. But at some point, it's great to win games this way. At some point, Hammer, you want that three to start falling again for this team. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's it's a big deal. And, you know, when you take Fox out of the lineup and you swap him out for Davion, like, of course, I, I, they're almost equal as far as three-point shooters, Davion and, and Fox. Maybe Davion's shooting a little bit higher than Fox, but the fact is you're not going to have the same sort of paint touches that you have when Fox is in the game, when Davion's there, which opens the space up for demonis to work and for also the three-point shooters to be have that little bit of extra like uh space to shoot uh shoot the ball um but the the lineup that we're seeing from indiana is also really small uh devin Vassell at the i mean not devin Vassell. uh oh why am i drawing a blank um uh, i had their lineup up earlier Aaron but, uh, what oh yeah, yeah I, Aaron I, Neesmith. there yeah. we go yeah who were like they were almost interchangeable in the draft that year, uh, Neesmith starting at the four is totally undersized. Like even against Keegan or, or against uh, Harrison, the, he's very much undersized uh, compared to those guys. So the last time they played this Indiana team, they went out there with a whole bunch of length. You know, they had uh, they're running a bunch of six foot eleven guys, six foot ten, six foot eleven, seven footers. Uh, they could shoot the ball and and do a lot of things. Now they're little small and a little more conventional I, I don't know it should be an interesting matchup especially if Davion can disrupt what Ty does as as like a setup man told you I was a little antsy about this game but I'll set a number at 17 
we get 17 plus points from Davion Mitchell, I think the Kings are are in in in. A, I think the Kings have won that game. 17 points from Davion is the starting one for this team. I think the Kings have won that game. Hmm. Okay. Because I don't um, think his defense is ever going to waver. Like, I'll never walk into a game concerned about the way Davion Mitchell is playing defense. But if he can get some things going offensively, one, I think that sparks him even more on the defensive end, and he really starts to kind of feel where he's at. Two, he'll be likely guarding Tyrese Halliburton, which I think every Kings fan is looking forward to. And I think that spells good news and better news for the Sacramento Kings in that regard. That'll ease my concerns if I can see Davion get some buckets. Yeah, I think they're even like if you put his number at 12, I think they're still okay if it's 12. Um, but getting to 17 for him really shouldn't be that difficult because if he's defending Tyrese on one end and Tyrese defends him on the other end, uh, like let's just be honest, Tyrese is, is not a good defensive player. Uh, he's great at playing the passing lanes. He's great at you know the steals, but straight up as a defender, especially against a, a player who's got really nice low center of gravity and is very strong. Um, even if Ty has a little bit of a height advantage, I still think that uh, Davion could could easily score against him. You think Malik spends some time at the one tonight? Uh, yes. I, I don't know that we're going to see Delvadova, a bunch of Delvadova. I, I might be wrong uh, because Mike has gone to Delvadova in these situations in the past. Um, and, you know, he's a he knows how to run the offense. That's that's what Delhi does. He's a pro. He's been, you know, he's ready every time you've called on him the entire season. Uh, I think maybe one game you looked at it, you're like, okay, that wasn't great. Uh, you got to try something new. Um, but uh, I think he's been really solid as like a breaking case of emergency third uh, point guard. Um, I still think Monk is going to get a lot of minutes, especially with Herder not playing that much in the last game. Um, you could see them playing alongside each other, especially mm -hmm. if they stay small. You could see Herder playing a bunch of three tonight uh, for this team because they're just not very big as far as what they've been playing lately. Seeing Monk first man up out there with they, uh, with Kevin Herter would be interesting. And I think Malik <laughs> is the most exciting passer on the planet. <laughs> like he's he's I, I exciting's the wrong word. I was using the word exhilarating because you're not really quite sure what's about to happen. Uh, but he's going to try to get that ball from point A to point B, and he's going to do it creatively, and 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 sometimes it's magical. Uh, but you why. need him to do that tonight. Like oh, with absolutely! Fox out, yeah, yeah. With, with Fox out, I mean, you need him to do it when Fox is there. But with Fox out, your primary like assist guys tonight should be Sabonis and Monk. Mm -hmm. uh, not even Davion. Davion should just try to play the game that he's been playing, just do it better. And if he has an opportunity to go up against to take Tyrese off the dribble here and there, go ahead and do it. Cause he's not going to, you can beat him to the basket. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is a, a game where Monk has to come out and be, be like the last three games. You've started to see him look more like the Monk that we saw like in November and early December. Um, but that was a long stretch where he wasn't playing like himself. And people asked in the chatty house is Keon uh, active. Yes. Uh, if, if Fox isn't there and Fox isn't there, um, Keon Ellis should be active. Uh, so would Deontay Burton. Uh, they both should be active. Uh, Namias Keda and Casey Akpala are both with the Stockton Kings. So there are roster spots open uh, in the 15-man lineup for, for those guys to be available Man, in uniform. 
Kaziak Pollard going to Stockton really thinks me makes me think more about this Matisse Stiebel stuff. There's clearly something there that oh they like, don't love, but like, and it just if 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 we're if 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 the argument is Matisse Stiebel he only plays on one end that's he clearly does it at a higher Mike Brown Monty McNair clearly they believe he does it at a higher level than Casey Akpala does. Yes. Uh, and even, you know, even if uh, you look at like Kenny's point of view, the 80% rule, right? Mm-hmm. Where even if, if KZ is 80% the defender that, which I don't agree Dibble with, is, by the way, I just, want to I, don't, I don't agree with that either. I, I don't agree. But I don't think it's far I, off. Gonna, I just don't agree with it. Yeah. But even if you did agree with him, uh, the, my point would be that the Kings are at a point where they need that extra 20%. Like you, you do need like you need the hundred percent, not the eighty percent of them. Like, and let's be honest, eighty percent of Matisse Thibel is is a top. Well, I mean, Thibel is a top, probably seven, defender in the league, and mm. so like like the next step down is pretty substantial. And like he's a really really good defender, um, and, and a guy that can, like I look at him as. You know, can you find someone that can slow uh, Luca? Can you find someone that can slow Jaw? Like that's what you're looking for. If you're going to go chase Thibel, it's with the thought that in a playoff series you might need him to go out there and do something special that you don't have that player right now. Even if you think KZ can do some things, you're still like when you're the third seed, you look at your your roster a lot different than when you're the eight seed or the tenth seed or the twelfth seed. Like when you're the third seed. You need to find a way to make your top nine, ten of the rotation every single one of those extremely viable NBA players that would play on any team, and they aren't there yet. They they have some work to do to get there. Why do you think Matisse doesn't get more run in Philly? Um, I mean, it could be something it's, as simple as Philly knows that uh, they can use him during the playoffs, but that they. They also want to limit his value because uh, he's a restricted free agent at the end of the year. Um, and they have other young players that they can use during the regular season. It could be that they just know that they're going to lose him and that they're going to spend their money elsewhere. And they've got to figure out ways to sort of bolster what they're doing uh, today um, or even save money. That's the other thing I would look at. They're about $2 million bucks over the luxury uh, tax. And they're a repeat offender and they're a multi-year repeat offender. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, which means that like dollar for dollar, it's probably uh, that probably cost them 10, 15, 20 million to be a couple of million over the cap. If you can shave that off by doing even something like um, Jaden Springer and Matisse Thibel for Alex Len, that trade works through uh, like it, it, it's a functional trade that would be approved by the NBA. But Alex Len at 3.9 million and Thibel at. 4.2 in Springer, two point something. It ends up saving them like two or three million bucks, but that two or three million means a lot more when you consider the tax. Uh, so there are ways that the Kings can actually help themselves here. Uh, Dylan Brooks suspended one game for striking Donovan in the Mitchells. Uh, so Dylan Brooks, uh, rightfully, uh, has been suspended one game uh, for that. Um, 
Okay, I was, I was, I was just curious. Matisse Thibel's gonna be a conversation until he's traded, or a conversation for the next six days. Uh, as is Baisley, as is OG, as is uh, Richardson, Kyrie, yeah. Josh Richardson, all of these different players. Uh, not just uh, as it pertains to Sacramento but all across the league. If you had your pick, and we've got plenty of time to talk about this next week, if you had your pick right now of the guys that we've talked about the most, say this guy improves the Sacramento Kings, which one is it? Is it Theibel or is it Josh Richardson? Like I'd probably go back and forth on this. Um, I'm going to say it's Theibel. Um, it's Theibel because he's 25, and I think you can lock him up for a couple of years on a reasonable contract. And even if he's not a starter, he's still going to be a solid player. Uh, Richardson's a little older. Uh, and then I would throw Darius Baisley in there as well. Yeah. Like Darius Baisley, he's done, he's become a really good defender and he can shoot the three. Uh, although he's been hit and miss, he can block shots. He's long, he's athletic, but he's 22 years old. And, you know, again, a restricted free agent that isn't going to make a bunch. Um, the Kings need to figure out ways to improve those the last the back five of their rotation or the back five of their of their roster and bring along players that can actually see the court maybe give you a different look and uh, and give you some length and this team just doesn't have great length they need to figure that one out. One of my concerns too lies in the fact there's still a couple of teams behind Sacramento that like I wonder about I believe Los Angeles is good like they're a top six team the Clippers meaning the Los Angeles Clippers. Yeah. Phoenix and Golden State. New Orleans, I got a lot of questions about New Orleans, but mainly Phoenix and Golden State, and I think those are front offices that have the the ability to work this trade deadline. My fear starts to lie in those guys. Like I'm you said the Sacramento Kings stand pat, they're good moving forward. Okay, I'm with that. I have a fear of one of those two teams landing somebody and going, "Oh, that makes that makes them a little bit better." Obviously, a Kyrie situation in Phoenix, that's a that could go one of two directions. That could be incredible. It could be a disaster. But it's certainly something that you have to watch moving forward. I don't think there's anything on the horizon like that for Golden State. But I think they have enough guys that they can work with where they can land a few pieces. I mean, I'm sh- I'm sure they're paying attention to OGN and Hobie and seeing how they can get involved into that conversation. He'd be perfect for them. Uh, I know we mentioned... Uh, uh, Keith Pompey uh, reported that Golden State was also monitoring the Matisse-Thibel situation. So there's a few guys who you wonder if they land on one of those teams, oh, how much more difficult does that make the top six? Yeah, what you don't want to see is uh, an arms race happen and you're standing there, like, sitting on your hands. That's, mm-hmm. that's you know, the Kings are in a in a very valuable position right now. There are teams that are going to are, are going to be hunting them. They need to figure out ways to make this roster better. And that doesn't mean they need to go for broke and trade everything. But again, if we're talking about like the potential for this to be a a five-year run or eight-year run, you know, something that really changes this franchise for the better and and, like makes it like you have to consider just about everything. You have to consider what will it take to get Obi Ananobi? How many first-round picks can you come up with? How do you, how do you leverage what you have? Like, if it's the right player, the right like style, you think they'll fit seamlessly, you do have to swing for the fences because 
if you go from the third seed to the eighth seed because you made a trade that upset the the apple cart this year, but you still find a way to get into the playoffs, but that team, that player that you acquire makes you a legitimate title contender the next year or a, a two, three in the Western conference that isn't a questionable two, three, but a legitimate two, three. And with the potential to make it out of the Western conference, you have to do it. Like that's, that's the way it goes. Like you have to think long-term, you have to think short-term, you, th- you have to think about culture and chemistry. You have to think all of these things have like a, a value that you have to put on them. Um, but at the end of the day, your, your view has to be of not just this season of the next three, five, six seasons. Um, you know, and if they're thinking that way, which I, I'm sure that they are, because that's the way like any good front office does, um, like they're open to plenty of things that we're not seeing that we're, we haven't even thought of yet. Kings currently two back from Memphis, uh, two and a half up on Dallas, uh, and the Clippers three up on Minnesota, who's in the sixth spot and then three and a half uh, on both Phoenix in Utah, and then there's Golden State, and then, of course, this team that the Sacramento Kings will play on Sunday, the New Orleans Pelicans, who have currently lost 10 straight, the <sighs> longest losing streak uh, in the NBA. Uh, San Antonio is second at seven straight games. The Pelicans do play before Sunday's game against Sacramento. They'll play Los Angeles tomorrow in another LeBron James showcase uh, on national television as he closes in on the all-time scoring record. Okay. All right, maybe I'm not as down on this game as I was earlier. But I need, I, I, I need something offensively from Davion, and, I, and, and, and then I'm, I'm expecting, and, and <laughs> I expected this last game, so you can expect all you want. I'm expecting the three ball to drop at a greater rate than it has the last couple. And I want that defensive activity. I, I, I want that to stay. I don't want that to fade in and out and wait for Mike Brown to have to say something at the podium or elsewhere. I want to see that continue. I think so, too. Uh, that If they found something that they, they didn't have before on the defensive end, if they found something by tinkering, um, it could it could mean the difference in this team, like – where we we think of them the next 26 games 28 games whatever 32 games uh what are we we got 32 left wow. 32 yeah we're yeah. at 50 yeah there's only three home games in the month of february yep so one, one's one. next friday and one's next saturday and then i think the i think it's i think the last one is the last day of the month it's yeah it's, yeah. it's the thunder on february 28th yeah unbelievable Wild. yeah yeah um, we appreciate you so much for being with us. Make sure you check out the Kingsbeat.com. Become a premium subscriber over there. Uh, check out the Kingsbeat podcast. If you're listening on ESPN 1320 or the Odyssey app and you want more Kings talk, you want more Trista Crick, you want more Kyle Matson, you want more James Ham, we've got that for you. Don't go anywhere. We're going to run it back next on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320.